When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, people. Um, it is Tuesday, the 12th of December. Oh, it's my nan's birthday. Big up her. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Yes, rest in peace. Amen to that. Welcome to TDA, the home of popular culture. Yo, well, your favourite news platform, firstly. And it's the home of popular culture as decided by you guys, the culture. And as always, you are hosted by the best in the business. Introduce yourself, please, guys. They call me E-Man, the pro-black activist, TDA producer and news analyst. And of course, the melanin is jam-packed. And I am your host, six foot plus of pure temptation. Big marks from the east side of the bridge. Well, and we're here with Brenty Lenty Plenty Twenty. You know, you know what it is already? Inaccurate. Huh? Inaccurate. I'm going to get it right one day, boy. <laughs> one day I'm going to get it right. Stop muting your mic. <laughs> How you doing, everybody? All right? All blessed. All blessed. Yeah, man. Much. Can't complain. Can't complain. All right. Well, did we have any ideas for our competition? Yes. That's great. Also... <laughs> There's extra chance for a competition. This is a separate one. I just posted the flyer on my page. If you um, go and tag, you can tag up to two people that you want to roll with and you could potentially get picked to get some free tickets. But you have to be following my page and a no behavior page though. That's all you have to do to be eligible. And I'll pick a winner on there tomorrow. But that's totally separate to the two tickets that we got to give away on TDA. And I look forward to hearing what Brent and his AI came up with. It's just my AI. Hmm? Just my AI. You don't have to take credit for your AI. I, I didn't. I said you're allowed to. Oh, serious? Yeah, that's how it works. I didn't know that. Of course. <laughs> Kanye be taking credit for people's stuff all the time. Kanye? <laughs> Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Kanye? You ain't heard how Kanye moves. I didn't know why you plugged in Kanye. I, I don't understand the correlation. Two geniuses. <sighs> Flashing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for his track to drop though I've seen something um, This is like a sample of a popular song or something Yeah, yeah. What song, What's the song again? Let me see if I can find it um, Is it the one where he had like Chris Brown in the Nah he had a He's on like a balcony or something yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah he had a vaulted jacket on hmm. Or hoodie or something But it's a popular song though Mm. It's a pop song. Backstreet Boys. Yeah. It's Backstreet Boys, isn't it? Probably. Is it Backstreet Boys? You found it? All right. It's Kanye promotion day. Plug it in. Pardon. <laughs> 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 oh, Have you got it? Uh... All right. We'll keep talking while you find it. How you doing, Eva? Can't complain, man. Can't complain. I'm here. Thriving. Yeah, this is it, man. You know. Is the melanin still jam-packed or is it waning? It's always jam-packed, you know. All right. I'm saying it, can, it can never wane. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a war outside, but you know, I, I'm winning every battle. Nah, it's serious outside still. Mm-hmm. Still a lot going on in the world. Indeed. Do you think that have you noticed that like um like the media can control um people's feelings like Mm. Like a lot of the stuff that's going on, like it's not as heightened as it was last week. Mm. So if you don't pay attention, you could, yeah, you could trick yourself into thinking it's not, it's mm-hmm. not going on anymore. Hundred percent. If you don't stay woke, why do they do that? Why do they pick and choose when they want to stoke up the fires of the people? Then agendas, man. I think it depends on who's um, controlling these particular media platforms. Mm. You know what I'm saying they, they've always got some type of agenda, man. They're always a step ahead of everybody else. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the problem, I think. Well, the problem for us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because obviously we're we're kind of just for the for the most part, just kind of just living on the day to day. But they think years ahead. You know what I'm saying? And obviously they're in the moment as well, making adjustments. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm I am i am not gonna suppose that they knew about this, for example, this Hamas attack. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Although obviously there were some people who shorted I'm not sure maybe in the day he wasn't here, where certain people apparently they behaved in a particular stock market in Israel in a particular way that kind of seemed that like they knew the attack was happening. Is it? It was about to happen, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't put that past. I wouldn't put that past anyone. Do you no. think that the, um, the coverage of it is not, not as um, prominent anymore because, because, the, because the backlash from the people and it's not helping the election... Obviously, mm. England starts. It's happy, same kind of things happening in America with with Biden as well. Mm. That's why they're kind of changing their tune a little bit because they think they're going to lose votes. They got that big election coming up and thing. Yeah, there's a lot. There were a lot of black voters apparently saying they're not going to vote for Biden. Oh, is it? Yeah, because of his stance. Um, obviously, on the Israel Hamas thing. Yeah, I think it was last week. Um, there was some news about that. I think it was last week. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible that obviously the I guess the the political parties here, Tories and Labour and that, may have made everyone kind of chill a bit. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But um, yeah, yeah. In in some ways they're definitely in cahoots. I don't think they're always like they're in cahoots all the time because I do feel like some media platforms are somewhat independent. You know what I mean? Because we can't necessarily pick and choose when, like for instance, the BBC seemed to have a pro-Palestine approach. Yeah, the BBC had. Moving out of the independent right now, they're doing their own thing. There you go. They're you know not being saying? controlled. Exactly. It's more the papers. Obviously, mm-hmm. we know what the debate papers, like the Daily Mail and stuff like mm-hmm. that, they've just been like the, the mouthpiece of the government for however long. Yeah. They literally say and do whatever mm-hmm. they want. It's kind of disgusting. It's kind of bait. <laughs> you get me? The way they support mm-hmm. Boris and Suella yep. and all that kind of stuff. You get me? Mm-hmm. But our BBC, BBC been pretty, what's the word, impartial or something? I don't know. Mm. Like, and there's only there's only so much they can do because you can't get reporters on the ground in Gaza. Mm. You know what I'm trying to say? So they're reporting. I suppose I suppose the best I suppose the best they can with the information that they got. You get me? Yeah. Because the Israelis are stopping the world's world journalism world journalists from, mm. from 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 going over there. It's not like it's not like um, how it was in like I don't know Afghanistan or whatever when mm. these men now got boots on the ground and you can see them talking yeah. with the bombs going off in the background and all that. You get me? There's none of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think it depends, though, because I think there, there there has been some people over there. There's, there's, that's, pe- like that's, that's people pro- that's from Israel. Gaza. No, there's one guy. What's his name? 
He's a he's an author. He's a he's a journalist. They're pro-Israel, man. Yeah. They're not doing nothing. They're standing up there in bulletproof vests and they're like a (laughs) hundred miles away from the beef, (laughs) chatting shit. You can't listen, brother. That's that's all propaganda. You can't listen to them, man. There, that's not real life journalism. Mm. Following the IDF around, kicking their doors (laughs) where no one ain't there. Like, man, I'm not listening to them, man. There, I'm not consuming none of that nonsense. That's Mm. that's bollocks. I'll be honest with you, because I need to see. They need if they're not in the rubble, they're chatting shit. Mm. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that reminds me, yeah. Did you guys see um, Piers Morgan's interview with, um, he's a doctor. He's an Islamic doctor. Dr. Ma- Mate. Is that his name? Mate. I'm not too sure. Holocaust survivor. No, he's a, he's a pro-Palestine supporter. This one, he's, well, he's not pro-Palestine, but he's, he, was, he said he used to be a Zionist and he's not anymore. It's not that one. No, no, not that All one. Right, not cool. this, one. this guy is like proper, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> They even called him an extremist. Islamic extremist. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. he an extremist? Um, I don't know enough about him. But from what you, did, from his did, views, it, but it didn't seem as though he was he denied it. Like because <laughs> <laughs> Piers Morgan said it on the show, and the guy just kept talking about other stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. But anyway, this guy's an NHS doctor. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the interview just didn't seem to go well. And I, it's like, we already know how Piers Morgan is. Yeah, so I feel like you got to come there. With a certain type of approach in it to, to kind of parry all, all of these all of these shots, right? But mm. this doctor just seemed a bit too ill prepared. You know what I'm saying? Like he just seemed to show Piers Morgan more respect than he needed to, because Piers Morgan was showing him no respect. Mm. You know, just talking reckless, um, saying how, because basically the guy was like, oh, he's kind of for like Sharia law, which to be fair, if you're a Muslim, why wouldn't you be? Because it's, it's it's law which is in line with Islam. You know what I'm saying? Fine, but. Piers Morgan kept specifying certain things, saying, oh, the LGBT, um, it's anti-LGBTQ, it's anti-feminist, it's anti-all this type of stuff. Do you want this in the UK? And the guy wasn't obviously being straight about it. He was like, oh, well, I, I would want you to want it. And Piers, Morgan, Piers Morgan's like, it doesn't matter about me. Do you want it? Kept going on and on and on. It just made him basically just not look good. And he asked him straight as well, like, what do you think about homosexuality? He said, I think it's a sin. He said, okay, do, do all your patients know this? And then the guy's like, oh, obviously, why, why would they know this type of thing? You know what I mean? Like, that's just my personal belief because of my, my religion. You know what I'm saying? Fair enough. Christian believe, Christians, a lot of Christians believe the same thing. Fine. But he just made it seem as though this guy was just a, a bad man. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he was a real extremist. That's the guy. It just didn't look good. It didn't look good. You know what I'm saying? What's this extract? Is this any good, Brent? I don't know. You want to play? You risk it? It's not. I believe in the Islamic system. Would you like Sharia law in this country? I would love. Yes or no? I would love to see you want. No, no. Answer the question. Never mind what I want. What do you want? I want to see the Islamic system reestablished. Would you like Sharia law in this country? Last time I'm going to ask. If Sharia law, if Sharia law, yes or no? If Sharia law means upholding family values, Mm. means looking after the poor, means no gays, no feminists, i.e., women who get above themselves. That's your caricature. I know what Sharia law wants. Why do so so many women become Muslim these days? Mm. Why do they want to be oppressed? Is that what you're going to tell me? No, no. Why why do so many? Because they want to be oppressed. Women in the world become Muslim these days. I believe. What's, what's funny? What's funny is your approach. That's such right. a clown. What is it, Michael? In this country, I would love... Yes or no? Mm. Right? I will never condone them. Right? I will say that. So do you condemn what happened on October the 7th? 
If atrocities are committed, you know who's responsible? What do you mean, if? Who's no, they were. Who's responsible for it, then? Ah, so you don't condemn it? OK. Who is responsible well, the Jews brought it? it on themselves? No, actually, I would say more, more than that. I would say the powers that believe mm. that Israel should be a colony for themselves in the Middle East, they are the ones responsible. Do you know what? I'm really struggling. I've got to be honest with you. I'm really struggling. You don't look confident, Do you know that a national, a British National Health Service doctor of 25 years, yes. a man who's supposed to be seeing patients all day, every day, and putting them right, is incapable of saying what happened when it was literally broadcast to the world by a terror group. Nor do you think they're terrorists. You think it's I, resistance. You seem to want to go any way to justify it. You don't even believe what they showed us with their, with their own technology. And I'm, I'm just curious. You, you do, do you think any of this is compatible with you being a doctor in the don't, National Health Service? You don't have to be a doctor. Do your patients know, to, know that do, you believe do, these things? You don't have to be a doctor to care for the lives of two million people in Gaza. You don't have to be no, a doctor. I'm concerned about whether your patients here yeah. in this country where Hamas are a prescribed terrorist yeah. organisation. And I've said to you... listening to this I've interview, to you, do, these, do these patients I have, know your I have views? said to you... Do they know your views? I don't talk to my patients about my views in a 10-minute consultation, right. do I? Do you think Hamas are a terror group? I believe it's a resistance organisation. Okay. Do you think what they did on October the 7th was a terror attack? I believe that if civilians got killed on that day... If. It is... It is if, appalling. If. It is appalling. You're a doctor, man. It is appalling. You're a doctor. I also <laughs> believe... What do you I mean, if? Believe, 1,200 people got massacred. And 1% of no, the no. population... I can share your concerns about what's happened. You know you don't. Oh, no, I do. No, no you oh, don't. Oh, no, I do. 16 I do. years. But 16 years. I cannot years believe a doctor camp. is saying the word 16. if people got a, a victims of atrocity. If... If I do think it happened, oh, you did I happen. It did happen. happen. Twelve hundred yeah. people were massacred. Were I they? think twelve hundred people. I, I couldn't watch were that they massacred? Yeah. He's they clearly right, ill prepared, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. Like he's not ready. There's um, it doesn't even matter what what his point is or what kind of information. Whatever, whatever he wants to say, it doesn't matter because he's not. He's yeah. he's just outclassed there. That's not the, that's not the, that's not yeah, the, that's not the yeah. forum for him. Yeah, Do you know what I'm trying to say. It's like the um, Haney fight. Exactly, exactly <laughs> that. Exactly that. You don't look confident when yeah. he's saying things. You don't look. You don't look like even. Yeah, it's just weird. He was. He was must have just mm -hmm. got beat up the whole time. How long was the interview? I think like twenty minutes. I think something like that. Yeah. See, yeah, even short. Yeah, he's sick. He might not have a job. This is, this is it. This is it. And I think when they first started it, they showed a clip of him, kind of like outside somewhere with a microphone, saying certain things to, obviously, pro-Palestine uh, group. Um, just asking them to... What was it? I don't want to get it wrong, but I think they just showed a clip of him basically saying... Basically asking the crowd something and then responding jihad. Almost like, oh, like, um, how do we respond to what's going on? Jihad. Da -da 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 -da. Jihad, that type of thing. So they just made this guy look very bad. You know what I'm saying? Well, so... Hey, he was the man they don't do him like Shamaima. What's her name? Shamaima. What's her name? <laughs> yeah, for real. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's true, man. It's true. Well, but yeah. There's that's 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 that on that. Any of you you want to touch on? Yes. Oh, go on. Yes. So yesterday, obviously, we we're chatting about um, coloreds versus the N word, right? Thank you. And um, remember, we were talking about: Do we have? TDA listeners in South Africa. Mm -hmm. Remember, I said, yes, we do. I said, yes, we do as well. Who said no, then? Brent. Oh, I thought it was you, you know. No, I was saying the reach. <laughs> I said, we must have one in there. And then one even okay. called up. So 
I don't think I said it. But I you implied think, it. I think, I think it was definitely me that was <laughs> questioning <laughs> whether we've reached that far. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. But y'all definitely said, of course we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> that's it. Well, big up the South African um, listeners every time. Each and every time. And one of, one of our beautiful South African listeners messaged us okay. in response to our um, our question. So basically, this is what they said. Hi, TDA family. I, gig- I giggled to myself this morning when Iman mentioned that he doesn't think TDA has reached that far to South Africa. Oh. Yeah, Brent. It's <laughs> 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 Yeah, but I'm a colored South African who has been listening to TDA since about June this year. So yes, man, TDA has reached South Africa. Big up. Amen. It was so interesting listening to the different views on the color term this morning. Some good, some bad, some misinformed. I'm not a historian who can give you all the roots of the color term, but I've come to embrace it as turning something bad, the term, into something good. We're colorful, sorry, we're colorful, a mixture of every corner of South Africa. I think some people, in brackets Americans, feel that South Africans are denying their black side, but I disagree. Being colored in South Africa is embracing every part of what one is made up of. I know Iman likes to play devil's advocate, so we'll have a question to counter what I've said. (laughs) But do know that everything in this life is not just clear cut. There's so much we can learn about people and cultures every day. You all all are doing an amazing job. I probably gravitate the most towards Esther and Gina as I find myself smiling and nodding my head every time they speak. Brent, Iman, Margs, and Big Use before. Your takes on various subjects are so refreshing. Margs, I'm a big Man United supporter, and I love that you don't give uh pardon me. And I love that you don't give in to Brent when he constantly attacks you if Ten Hags should be sacked. Thanks so much for the hard work in putting this excellent show together. TDA to the world from Cindy, Cape Town, South Africa. Yeah, hey, hey, man. Big up. Big up yourself. <laughs> That was the Fuzella. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Threw me off there. Well, hey, wait, wait, wait. Cindy's in the chat, you know. Big up, Cindy. Is she? She just jumped in the air, man. Big up yourself. Never small mm-hmm. up yourself, Cindy, man. And she said, P.S. South Africa is currently two hours ahead of the UK. So, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy, for messaging. Hope you remain in the chat all the time. Yeah. All right, then, man. Let's get into some headlines. And oh, wait there before... Oh, 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 okay, cool. But you don't like the video, please, before we get into the show. Um, if you are coming there, I see 155 people. I don't know how many likes we got, but I know it's not 155. 45 likes. 45 likes? Yeah. It's not even half. It's not even half of you. I've liked the video. So Damn. I don't understand what we're doing there. Like yeah. the video, guys. Please come on, man. Simple way to show your support. Let's get it in. True indeed. All right, so our first headline. The One Nation group of centrist Tory MPs have said that they will vote for Rishi Sunak's Rwanda bill, despite their concerns it disapplies the Human Rights Act. However, the One Nation caucus, which is made up of around 100 MPs, warned that they would oppose any amendments that would risk the UK breaching the rule of law and its international obligations, something rival factions have called for. Sky News' political editor, Beth Rigby, said that this means that if the bill is passed tomorrow, 
it only kicks the blow up further down the road. She was speaking to the political hub with Sophie. Rich, Rich, sorry, she was speaking to the political. Yeah, she was speaking with Sophie Ridge on the politi- on the politics hub. Pardon me, and said um, the prime minister has chosen an issue where his party is irre- irreconcilably divided between the left and the right on whether to leave the European Convention on Human Rights and break international law to get these flights off the ground. Next headline, and this is about the Eat Out to Help Out um, scheme that Rishi Sunak <laughs> introduced. And basically, he's come out to robustly defend it, man. And he said that um, that particular scheme, which was impl- implemented in summer of 2020, um, prevented devastating job losses. The scheme encouraged people to attend pubs and restaurants by subsidizing meals after lockdown rules were eased. He dismissed criticism that senior advisors were not consulted, saying that they had ample opportunity to raise concerns. In previous sessions of the inquiry, Matt Hancock and Sir Patrick Valance, the health secretary and the government's chief scientific advisor during the pandemic, have both said that they did not about did not know about the Eat Out to Help Out scheme before it was announced. The inquiry has also been told that the chief medical officer, Sir Chris Whitty, referred to the scheme as Eat Out to Help the Virus. Can you imagine? <laughs> eat out to help out the virus and Sir Patrick said that the scheme was highly unlikely to sorry highly likely to have fuel deaths however Mr Sunak who was a chancellor during the pandemic strongly backed his decision to introduce the scheme and this next headline is pretty much gonna um, inform our topic of the day right well, I definitely want to see what you guys think about this and there's a situation going um going on in America, and at least 570 professors at Harvard have defended the university's embattled president, Claudine Gay, as she faces calls to resign following statements on campus anti-Semitism that have already triggered the resignation of the University of Pennsylvania president. The faculty submitted a a petition to the 13-member Harvard Corporation, which has the authority to fire the president, asking it not to bend to political pressure to remove her. Appearing before a congressional inquiry last week, Claudine Gay, along with Sally Cornbluff, who is the president of MIT, and Liz McGill, who is the president of the University of Pennsylvania, answered more than five hours of questions over their response to anti-Semitism on their campuses. Frequent student protests over the Israel-Gaza conflict have triggered accusations that some of the rhetoric has has crossed into anti-Semitism. Gay, Cornbluff, and McGill all declined to provide a definitive yes or no answer to the Republican Congressman Elise Stefanik's questions about whether calling for the genocide of Jews would violate the university's code of conduct. So yeah, that's pretty much it. But like I said, that's going to form um, what we're going to talk about in the topic of the day. All right, yeah. No time like the present then, man. Let's get into it, man. On a Kanye video. Oh, what is it? Let me see it. All right. Oh, I remember it now. It's everybody. Is that hitting home for you though? As in the drop? Yeah, like, like yeah. did you connect with that rhythm? Like, yeah. No, it was a, it was a, it was it was a, a big, banger. big tune still. Yeah, it was a banger. But there's no, like, yeah, samples, samples are dangerous, and especially when you go with, with, with big rhythms like that. Mm. You know what I'm trying to say? Because you got to get it right. If you're gonna mm. touch it, you got to do it properly, man. Mm. So th- that all sounds cute and all that, but once that drop actually. Once it actually lands, mm. if it don't land, it's going to be disappointing. Mm. So, I agree. 
What top was that? Is there his top? You no, know, I think the symbol means um, black. Oh, what's the, what, what's it, what, did, what did it say? Ain't I've it's seen it's vultures. Vultures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's ain't that his thing? Am I going crazy? I've been seeing that. But I saw that same iconography online, and it had something to do with black something. Yeah. Not black power, but um, okay. Royalty. Let me, let me try and find it. The reason why I'm saying that is because when I saw that that um, that your bird, right? That reminds me of the Germany flag. Okay. During during the World Cup, is it World Cup the football one? Okay. What their crest on their on on their top? Because they ain't got no they ain't got nothing on their flag. Yeah, not on the flag on their on their on their crest. Yeah. Is it is unless it's back in the day like with West Germany. <laughs> let me let me Google that. Oh, one. I think. It looks very similar, but obviously without the two heads of the vulture, it was like one. Let me see. West Germany. There we go. Ah, yeah, you're right. Is it the same thing? Mm, it's not the same, but no. But I guess it's back to back. What do you mean? Oh yeah, 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 as in the the birds. Yeah. Why is his bird double headed? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Vultures. Mm. <coughs> All right then. That's down on that. Let's get into the topic of the day. Found it. Found what? The double headed vulture. <laughs> is that a real thing? That's not real, is it? That's AI. No, it's not. This is an actual bird. That's a real picture. It's in Texas. Huh? In Texas. When you say it's in Texas, isn't that it's one or there's many like this? There are many like this. There's not. <laughs> there's not. There's not. <laughs> you see, there's no one. <laughs> no, I've watched too much wildlife documentaries in my time to not buck that. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, man. What's going on with Wikipedia? Is someone trying to buy them or something? They've been asking for money and thing. Go well, up to they, the... They've been doing that for years, though. I ain't seen that before. Because it, that... it's free, innit? So they, they need, you know, people's support. Yeah, but I went on it the other day and they put a big warning on the screen, moving like it's go, like they're buying it now. Like it's going. How about that? Double-headed eagle. So what's the double-headed... What does it represent? Uh, no. I think Google, Google, Google. Is it something Masonic? I think so. I think that's what I saw on on, on X. Mm. But I didn't um, verify it. But I'll check. Uh, cool. So yes. Did you press it? All right. So today's topic of the day, yeah. This is just about... It probably won't be the longest one in the world, but it is a question I, I, I kind of want to delve into yeah and this is about a leader a manager if you want um being asked to resign do you feel like people if if for example a particular organization wants somebody their head to resign do you feel like it should only come from within that organization or externally as well or it doesn't matter to you um if their external noise is detrimental to the to the organization, don't mm -hmm. you take that into consideration? Then I'm asking. 
Ask him. Because because if, if that's the case, yeah. Does that mean that any time and anyone's basically anyone's job is at risk? But that's anyone's uh, role. That's facts. That's, it's, it's already like that already. Yeah, but is that a good thing? No. And and can you think of an organization where that would never happen? And if that if you can, is that organization then a real organization, a robust organization? <clears throat> what organization? I can't think. There's not much. Do you feel like everyone's pretty much susceptible if there's enough pressure from outside? Even in politics, because because we live in a democratic society, the pressure from the outside can't really get them out. They'll have to get voted out. But they could do it. They they could do it from the inside. They've done it in this country mm-hmm. bare times. You know what I'm trying to say? So maybe. The, so whether it's inside or outside, I think everybody's susceptible to that kind of behaviour. Once, once mm-hmm. the um. Once the noise gets too loud, once people start calling for your head, if that makes sense. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we got the Albanian coat of arms, apparently. Okay. Is that an Albanian thing, yeah? Mm-hmm. Big up Albanian girl, man. You ever had one? Of course. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> <laughs> you know, United Nations <laughs> leader already, founder, co-founder. President, vice president. <laughs> 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 That's my story, man. I told you I'm out here doing God's work, man. You don't know what you don't know. I want to know. <laughs> and knowledge is power. See? There's a method to my madness. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where was mm. we? Yes. So, uh, I put it, put it this way. I guess it will kind of depend on the context, yeah. But should someone like Ten Hag, for example, leave Man United if everyone outside of Man United is talking about it? Because what business is it of anybody else? I think when it's um, when it's football managers and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I think that's a bit different. You got to be strong enough in your company and your organization to to block out the outside noise. If mm-hmm. you if you believe in whoever you've got the hell minute you know what i'm trying to say so because people don't know what's going on behind closed doors so if you have got a plan that you believe in and someone that you think is a viable candidate to to deliver this plan then you just got to do what you're doing and ignore the outside noise with football it's a results business isn't it so people can say what they want but they'll stop moaning once the once the points start coming in you know what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. so then if you're if the points ain't coming in and there's noise there then obviously your head's going to be on a chopping block but i think the results are more impactful than what everybody's saying because they don't really know so i think in that sense in that sense it's, it's, it's a bit different mm. you get me because there could be the, the fans could be moaning that they hate the style of football and they hate this and they can't stand the manager but he's winning games he ain't going nowhere you know what i mean yeah true but if he okay so basically you're saying if he was losing games now then then then, then, it, then voices become much louder. Yeah. Like much louder. Like and then there's pressure from everywhere, innit? And I think the most things with them companies is when when your actions start affecting the bottom line at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And then until it does that, I think people will be able to stand by you or wherever it may be. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? But like once once you start affecting mm-hmm. man's dollar and pound, yeah. then it's like, what are we gonna do? If the noise is so much that people that 
other brands and stuff start um, threatening to pull away sponsorship and their association. And, you know, like, I don't know, like, or if you, um, like, if you disrespect certain communities and then they decide that they're not going to stop fucking with you and mm-hmm. they might be a bit powerful mm-hmm. in the world, then it's a no goal for you, isn't it? Because what are we going to do? Because everybody here is all on cold. They're on the same wavelength and they don't like you. They're going to start pulling away funding. They don't want dissociation and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, I don't know. So once you get into that territory, then it's like, mm. like I want to support you, mm-hmm. but I can't fuck with you because you're going to bring us down with you. Mm. So how how then do you make an organization strong enough to to resist that that type of attack? <laughs> or is it impossible? I don't know if it's impossible. I think you just have to be like if you're 100% self-sufficient and not relying on anybody else's money, I guess. Mm then that's on you, innit? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? Because obviously you might take a hit here and there, but if you're prepared to do it, then it is what it is. If you're prepared to deal with the consequences of your of your actions, then no one can't really tell you nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? So maybe if you're 100% self-sufficient, because it all comes down to, especially like with, with these companies, organizations and stuff, it just comes, like I said, if it, if it once it starts affecting, affecting bread and that, and public perception and all that, mm-hmm. then it's like, you got to do it, but ain't it good leadership to... St- if you care about something and you know that your association with it is detrimental to it, ain't it good leadership to say, you know what, whether I'm, whether I'm wrong or whether I'm right or whatever, but this is how it looks and this is what it is and this is what I'm doing mm-hmm. and my actions have been harmful to what's going on. Ain't it good leadership for you to say, you know what, let me cut ties anyway, like let me do the resignation thing? I think it depends though, because sometimes good leadership is you being strong and saying, look... These guys have got an agenda. This is all foolishness. I'm staying put. You know what I'm saying? But perception is probably more important than, than, than reality at the end of the day. So yeah, they got an agenda and what is it there, but it's working. Mm-hmm. And your behavior or whatever it is, is now detrimental to what's going on. And you can see that it's detrimental to what's going on. And mm-hmm. everybody's fell mm-hmm. hook, line and sinker yeah. for this propaganda. Mm-hmm. So do you still stand in that stubbornness? But then that means you lose then. So so for example, if somebody wanted to say, you know what, I want to get this person out of this particular organization, right? Okay, I'm just gonna make something up. We already we live in the day and age where people just make things up, right? Mm. And we already know public opinion means X amount in the in the world, right? I could just make something up, get enough people, especially if I, I've got a voice now, right? Get enough people to believe what I'm saying, or at least just to spread the news, this inf- um, this information. And before you know it, that person's out of there. That's that, that can't be good leadership. Especially if you know it's fake and, and the people within your cabinet, so to speak, know it's, it's fake. Do you know where I'm coming from? Because mm. that means anyone is susceptible to anything. Like, well, what's the, what's the point in an organization having values and ethics that all of you say, okay, cool, this is what we abide by. And like, we, there's an oath amongst us where it's like, cool, I know none of us have breached this. But yet, because they're trying to attack us, because they know how powerful we could be, I just have to step down. It, can't, can't we just chalk it down to, this is just how the tide is at the moment? I suppose they can if if, if they want to, yeah, if they want to like ride it with you, like, and, but 
Obviously, look, Daniel's saying the board has a choice to listen to external pressure or not, mm-hmm. but the board's going to make the choice what for what, what benefits them, innit? You know what I'm saying? It's whether, whether, they know what's, whether they know it's true or whatever it's not, it doesn't matter. It's all about how it looks. I don't know. I'm struggling to think of. Can you give me some examples of people that are impervious to that kind of thing? Like who? I mean, I know for sure nobody's getting rid of the minister out of the nation. That's, 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 that is a fact. That right there is a fact. It doesn't matter what happens, who says anything, the minister is staying put 100%. Yeah, but there's Outside nothing. Of that, I can't think of anybody. Yeah, but unless he goes against, if he's not going to go against the, the the grain or the religion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if because if he done something that was against the religion and against everything that he stood for, mm-hmm. the voices would be powerful enough to say it doesn't matter who they'll they'll, they'll get him out of there, innit? But this is what I'm trying to yeah go. On. But but what I'm trying to say is because of their reputation and the things that he's already said in public, there's nothing that he could say that any outside voice could influence the inside to get rid of him. Because they're all on cold. Mm-hmm. And he's already said everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. Do, you get, do you get what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. So there's no outside noise. He could, but he could self-implode. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like I said, if he'd done stuff, stuff that was actually, goes really against everything that he's been mm-hmm. preaching this whole time, and he was doing it outwardly and loudly and for long enough, mm-hmm. there would be a, there would be some type of faction within the organisation that say, look man, mm. Donny's lost his way. He's got a goal. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. But I guess, I guess this is more so, I guess my question is more so like how how you can be, um, have a strong defense against external forces. Because like in, in the example that um, we were speaking about, yeah, in, in the last headline, when I put a clip in there, um, if you don't mind playing it, right? I read some of it in the headline, but uh, it'll be good to see it. But basically this, this Harvard um, professor, well, the president of Harvard, right? Everyone's asking her to leave, man, because of, of certain views that she kind of, you know, the way she answered certain questions, basically, right? Because um, she was being asked by this lady, Stefanik, Elise Stefanik, um, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? She said it can be, depending on the context, right? Well, the context of calling for genocide? Mm. This, this is what she said. That's where she messed herself up because even our language, what context is there for calling for genocide? If you're calling for genocide, you're calling for genocide. The problem would be is if the f- statements that these kids are making on campus is actually calling for genocide or not. Exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But she needs to articulate that because they're trying to set her up. You can't say it depends mm-hmm. on the context. There's no context of calling for genocide. What mm. context is there for calling for genocide? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You are president of Harvard, so I assume you're familiar with the term intifada, correct? I've heard that term, yes. And you understand that the use of the term intifada in the context of the Israeli-Arab conflict is indeed a call for violent armed resistance against the state of Israel, including violence against civilians and the genocide of Jews. Are you aware of that? That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. And there have been multiple marches at Harvard with students chanting, quote, there is only one solution, Intifada revolution, and, quote, globalize the Intifada. Is that correct? I've heard that thoughtless, reckless, and hateful language on our campus, yes. So based upon your testimony, you understand that this call for Intifada is to commit genocide against the Jewish people in Israel and globally, correct? I will say again, 
that type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. Do you believe that type of hateful speech is contrary to Harvard's code of conduct, or is it allowed at Harvard? It is at odds with the values of Harvard. Can you but not say here that it is also... against the code of conduct at Harvard? We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, harassment, Does that speech and not cross that barrier? Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? When you testify that you understand that is the def definition of intifada. Is that speech, speech according to the code of conduct she or not? Resign, man. She's not a strong we man. I don't like people that I don't take bad up. You know. Look at how she's being spoken to. to free expression, even of views that are objectionable. You and I both know that's offensive. not the case. You were aware that Harvard ranked dead last when it came to free speech. Are you not aware of that report? <laughs> Let me ask you this. <laughs> that is killing her. That is that true? She talks about how she's at the commitment to freedom of speech today, right? I'm not sure. Probably is better to just be saying it like that. But oh, she ain't got a leg to stand on. They must said they're dead last. They rank dead last in freedom of speech. These kids can't talk about nothing. But you want them to. You, you want to let them land on genocide. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, she was just being spoken to so aggressively, yeah, yeah and her yeah. stance was, yeah, that's another, um, someone with poor debating skills, I think she was ill-prepared, that was like the Pess Morgan thing. There you go. But in, in that same situation though, yeah, I, I, I think her stance from the beginning was similar to what you said. I think the, the entire thing from the beginning about if this thing is considered genocide and that type of stuff was wrong from the beginning. Because she agreed to that, it led her down the wrong road. Mm. And then there's, there's nothing more you can say. But in that situation, if, for example, let's just say, like we said, it is a mistake, right? Um, she says never have agreed to, to it meaning genocide and all that other type of stuff, right? If now this is after the interview, uh, not interview, after this type of nonsense, right? This bashing, right? We can say, you know what? Actually, this was wrong, this, that, and the third. Why should um, internally the board have to cave to this pressure? If, for example, you know she, that she knows and everyone on the board knows we are against genocide. Do you get what, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, but I think in this situation, it's, it's, it's a bit different. You get what I'm trying to say? Because of the subject, because of the topic and because of the people involved, there's, there's going to like, the pressure to get rid of her is going to be... It's, it's, it's just... It's just going to be a lot in it. Do you know what I'm trying yeah. to say? That there's going to be people with a lot of influence in positions of power that are on the other side that don't agree with what they're saying and they've got their own mm -hmm. agenda, so to speak. You know what I'm trying to say? Like they're anti anything. Like they're not taking they're not taking like nothing. You get mm -hmm. me? So the board there's going to be there's probably going to be people on the board that agree with the fact that she should go more than likely. Mm. I don't know, man. I'm a bit harsh, man. Like that didn't look like 
I mean, she didn't say anything to. I don't know. That just didn't look. She looked like she got beat up. It wasn't just because the woman was raising her voice. She, she wasn't. You got. I feel like sometimes when someone's trying to attack you, the, that you've got. To, you've got. You've got to attack back. You know mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say? Like, and when, yeah. when with the points that you're making, you got to be clear and concise, and also try and spin trip trip them up over their mm-hmm. words and make them look stupid and that kind of stuff. That's what I want to see. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, mm-hmm. so even though that was a small clip and I ain't seen the whole thing and I don't know that woman, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't getting strong leadership vibes. Mm. I don't know if I'm going to stick my head out for her. Well, <laughs> basically, uh, I think near the end of it, right, This that white woman says, so the answer is yes, yeah, that calling for the genocide of, of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct, correct? The woman says, well, the black woman says, again, it depends on the context. White woman says, it does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. Why is she on the outside of Harvard telling somebody within Harvard to resign? So my, my thing is, like, if this makes Harvard look bad, fine. makes Harvard look bad. I get it, because obviously Harvard is, is one of the biggest institutions in the world, right? And how that may reflect on America and things of that nature. But this is our own business. This is, our, this is ours. Why are you telling me from the outside what I should do on the inside? I hear that, but people are always policing stuff and stuff. And it's like she used, she let them use the wrong language. She let them trick her, like mm. trick her out of position, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? Because I just don't see the world where she should have. Well, she didn't even know what she should have done in it. Like you know what I'm trying to say? But mm-hmm. like that doesn't. If that's the read that last sentence out again, what the woman said to her last again. She said, "One second. You said it does not depend on the context. The answer is yes. And this is why you should resign. No, but what's the question that she asked her? She said, does... Okay. The, does... Uh, yeah, she said... Uh, so th- does calling for genocide go against? Yes. So the answer is yes. That calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct, correct? The answer has to be yes. Mm. And the lady was like, again, it depends on the context. See, but that's crazy, though. As the president of Harvard and someone's asking you, does calling for genocide of any race, mm. yeah, violate your Harvard campus thing? The answer has to be yes. Mm. Does it not? This is it. It's because she she started off wrong. But if your answer's not yes, then she, then you got to go. You're sick. You can't be in charge here. Someone who knows what they're doing needs to be in charge here. The answer mm. has to be yes. And it's not just because it was Jews there. You could put any race, anything in front of that. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, calling for genocide of anybody should go against your campus rules. Yeah. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's why she tricked them out. Because what she has to say is, she has to explain that, I don't, I, went there, I don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of black, like, a lot of bad people get mixed up in good situations. So there are people that do anti-Semitic things in these um, things. But I don't know if that's the whole if that's like everybody on the whole in it. So I don't know if there was actually calling for Jennifer's side or if you are just twisting people's words or just spinning narratives to make it fit how you fit. You get what I'm trying to say? But she can't be, she can't be talking, she, she can't answer that question with it depends on the context. Because for me personally, it don't depend on the context. She she, she killed herself. Mm. So really, if, if you realise you're in that position, the best thing would be to, to do what? To say, yes, it is genocide, but nobody was calling for genocide. Yeah, like you, mm. boy. I don't know. You gotta be better than that, man. You gotta be. You gotta be. You gotta. You gotta be better than that. When people, when, some, when people, people are trying to trick you up and twist your words and stuff like that, you mm. gotta be able. You gotta be able to debate and get your 
points across clear and concisely and don't let people control the conversation and control the narrative and just say whatever they want about you especially when it ain't true because once people hear it it's too late you know what I'm trying to say so again yeah that's tough for me because I don't understand maybe I'm being a bit harsh then I don't know am I being harsh but you're trying to help your black sister across the pond I don't think you've been harsh giving her good advice Oh, she obviously didn't take it. <laughs> no, she didn't take it. Yeah, you should have been her representative. Yeah, if I was a representative, she would have got off that. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. I got this. <laughs> Good morning, Cola. Good morning. Good morning, Stacy. How are you? Good. How are y'all? We good over here. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Long time, long time. Good to hear your voice, man. You all right? I'm doing okay. I got a little razzle-dazzle in my throat. But we're going to put into this uh, this conversation where I can. Mm. Full disclaimer, I'm also in the process of learning a little bit more about it. Okay. Um, so I might not be completely learned. But from what I've seen, I'm not understanding the standpoint of the opposition personally. Okay, let's go. So from what I understand, right, the issue is there were students on campus, correct me if I'm wrong, students on campus were protesting using language that was deemed anti-Semitic and the dissent is how administration is handling as a response. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Right. And in the clip you just showed, the line of questioning that the lady gave, which in my opinion was not the questioning, but the way she planned it was aggressive. Anyway, negligible. Um, she was trying to say that she was wrong because she, there's a conflict in policy. But the policy that I'm not understanding, or I feel like she didn't do a good job of making clear like where the disconnect was, was mm. the bullying and harassment thing. Which is why I think the question of freedom of speech is being brought up here, which is my bigger thing, because I, like I said in the chat, I really do wonder what the precedent was for, and this is not me to compare, this is simply for matters of precedent. When we were going through Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and Trump and all these things, there was a big spike in white, uh, white supremacy groups. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it existed on these campuses in the form of protests as well, counter-protests, right? Not saying that the same bullying laws should apply, but was that, was hate speech deemed as bullying? If she said hate speech is a direct violation of Harvard policy, different context, that is explicit. I can see that being deemed as hate speech. But if you're going to say bullying and harassment, Mm -hmm. unless there was an active effort for this protest to violate the space or violate like you know like get bullying like get beat you're making your ha- you're doing an action that is directly at the impact of someone who is subject to whatever you're you know doing or talking about right mm. i'm not seeing how we're talking about bullying here and I, I i imagine that's probably what she's saying by freedom of speech if you can't enforce enforce it all around why are we enforcing it for this specific issue 
And that's my bigger problem with all things surrounding this conversation. And it, it's weird because we see the juxtaposition of this when it comes to Jewish issues versus black issues. Mm-hmm. When black people say things out of ignorance, right? Out of not knowing, right? Anti-Semitism, oh my God, harassment, oh my God, bullying. But when white people do the same thing, both explicitly and in microaggressions, not the same. All of a sudden, it's freedom of speech. So, so unless you're in, in America, unless your speech mm-hmm. directly impacts somebody, you are free to say whatever you want. It might be distasteful, distasteful. It might be immoral. It might be otherwise. We'd be locking up KKK people left and right. Mm. The university might not agree with you. But I'm, to me, this is my question, and this is what's forming my stance on it. Again, disclaimer, I might be uneducated, and there might have been something that actually did happen in line with bullying and harassment. I'm not understanding the disconnect between people being able to vocalize, because I don't, I'm, I, I, to be clear, I don't support whatever they were protesting, whatever they were saying in their protest. Mm-hmm. But I, I also can't, I can say that about so many other things. Mm-hmm. I went to Howard, people were, people, white people came on campus all the time talking about Make America Great Again. What can I do? You see, what that's they, the idea. They have the freedom of speech to voice their opinion. You see what it is, Stacey? Yeah, it's because of um, how power structures are set up in it. So the power structures in the in in government and in a lot of the major companies in the world and in media and the people that actually have the influence. Yeah, it's about it's about the structure of the power. So the people who can actually implement the power that they have, yeah, are people from a certain race or from a certain hue in it. And their fight ain't our fight, innit? You know what I'm trying to say? And everybody's got their own interests, their best, in- their own interests at heart, innit? If there was black people in the positions of power, yeah, if there was like a major company that really impacted the world and you looked on the board and they was all Africans, yeah, then you there's certain things you ain't gonna be able to come out and say. You know what I'm trying to say? And if, because if everybody's on cold and they have it and and, and, if, and, and they're not gonna have it, yeah, they could shut, they could shut shit down in an instant. So there's certain things everybody ain't, that you're not gonna be able to say. And even if Joe Blog in the public thinks he can say what he wants, people that's higher up in the power structure, that's in position of power and understand how the world works are gonna say, no, you can't say that. Or I can't be deemed to be sitting next to you while you're saying that crazy things about, about black but people. But they didn't or say anything. Because, no, but it, it doesn't even matter what it is because then once you're in a position of power, you can pick and choose what you wanna do. It, it could be, that's what I'm saying. They're not taking nothing. And sometimes you don't even say nothing and they'll twist it and make it like, it's, they're not having nothing. It's any little outcomes, they're not on it. And because it's there, it's, it's, do you get what I'm trying to say though? Mm-hmm. Like if there was the black people in oh, that position what, of power, that, we could do that as well. Say what, what did you say there? If, if, <laughs> what, mm-hmm. what did you say over there? Pussy? Yeah. No, 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 I know what you meant. I know what you meant. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, this is this is what they're doing at the end of the day. This is my thing. And this is why I think this issue is, to me, to me personally, bigger. I, sorry, not sorry. And this is something that I've grappled with even as this whole Israel, Hamas, whatever thing has been going on. Because I work in Hollywood. So a lot of people who work in Hollywood and that are in high positions are are people of Jewish descent. And I thought it was such nonsense that as soon as the whole stuff happened out there, oh my God, we had rabbis in our all hands call. I was like, y'all can't be serious. Mm -hmm. They were explicitly on the phone talking about, we need to hire more Jewish people. I said, you have to be sick because (laughs) where was this commitment a couple months ago (laughs) when we were dealing with our issues? 
this is not, and I think this is why it, 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 it's especially dangerous when we have people like this, whoever president or these presidents under fire because of the precedent it sets. It's not maintainable. If whatever happened, whether she supports it or not, does not fall in line with policy, she is well within her jurisdiction to, to inflict consequences. But when you're asking someone to inflict consequences from the angle of bias, you cannot apply that across the board. If you're not going to show the same level of consistency, if this white woman's not going to be sitting up here asking people equal amounts of questions when black issues arise, I need you to take your two fingers, your index and your thumb and hold your lips. It's not consistent. And that's my issue, which is why I ask, when issues of George Floyd, issues of Trump, we've had very recent examples of this in the past, have happened and there were campus protests or campus things, what was the precedent set by past leadership? Did that fall under bullying and harassment? You have to, you, I, I imagine that in that type of position, you not only have, you're, you cannot put your, your morals on the forefront. You have to put policy and precedent as a priority. Yeah, no, because the decisions that you make, us. they don't. Which is why personally, I'm choosing to wash my hands of all this. I don't, I don't, it is what it is. At the end of the day, right right is right and wrong is wrong. Innocent people are dying and that's what I'm arguing. But when it comes to the whole Israel versus I, I don't want to hear that. Because where were y'all? Where were y'all? We always trying to save somebody. Where were y'all? <laughs> I was telling you lot during the, the Kyrie thing. <laughs> you lot was getting on to me. I was telling you lot. Now you lot see. I've been ch- All right. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to laugh. (laughs) We're just going to be sitting here making memes on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. You know, in a couple months when something tragic happens, as we know tragedy happens all the time, and our Jewish counterparts are going to be sitting there holding their lips. People have attempted to also bring up genocide happening in other countries. Is, are they equally using their volume? No. It blows my mind. That this woman is sitting here on this this bench, talking about genocide of Israeli people, as we're watching the genocide of Palestinian people. But you yourself can't even open your mouth to admit that's what's going on. Yeah. It is so embarrassing. I, I'm in New Jersey right now, and it's that's I'm definitely in a more Trump state. So you know, it is what it is. I, I don't think I see this in California nearly as much, unless I'm in the you know rich richer parts. I'm literally seeing American flags and Israeli flags turn into one flag. And it's like flown like it's normal. Like it's a thing. <laughs> like this is a very obvious stance that a lot of people are taking. And it's so bizarre to me because it's just to me, it just makes, it just makes people are just being, are, have become since Trump very loud and clear about their obtuse political views. And you have the right to do that, but it's just like the imbalance is so imbalanced. And it's like, I'm just flabbergasted every day. Because nobody's standing on business. <laughs> Nobody, including us. What's the um? Everyone is inconsistent everywhere. What's the um temperature like over there politically? Um, does does do you think um Biden's gonna be able to win an election? Oh my God! In Jesus' name. Oh, are you, ho- Jesus are you hoping name. he does? Yeah. Well, just because I he's the one you lesser, well, I, lesser evil or something you prefer? Because Biden's not Biden's not good, you know. This is the thing. I think 
a lot of people are silently thinking this is such a messed up thought to have. A lot of people are silently thinking Biden is old, Biden is not well, Biden is ill, he's going to die, and Kamala's going to be president. No, I'm so for real. Literally, people, if, if, Kamala, if, if Kamala were to run on her own, we are so messed up. It's not even funny. Like, that's like handing Trump the election. Here. It's like how Hillary was done with her emails. Because of what Kamala did in her prior line of work, they are willing to pin her to a cross and hand Trump America. So the only way that we can avoid a Trumpian society, and Biden said it the other day, if Trump was not running, he probably wasn't going to run. He, he never had a real intention to be a two-term president. Well, for the sake of the republic, the sake of democracy, who else? There's no other viable democratic option. And Kamala is not going to win on her own. We saw her fail once. We're not going to see her fail again. We're not going to have another Hillary-Trump situation. It's impossible. At this point, Trump is literally lining himself up to abolish the Constitution and create turn America into a dictatorship. But that is what's going to happen. Stacey, is that is that really accurate though, or is that is that you just feeling like, like kind of being nah, kind of exaggerating a bit? Because how is that even possible? Well, you know, that's what we say, and then we look back at all the things that we once upon a time thought that Trump was saying that was impossible, and then watched him do it. Yeah, but to to turn it into a, a dictatorship though, America. How? That's that's first of all, look at what he did while he was president. It's a dictatorship already. I mean it's he a put, democratic country, but these aren't the dictators of the world. Oh no no. They be talking they be doing no, what the hell no, they no. want. Mm. They be blowing up what they want, going where Trump. they want, taking what they want. And to be fair to Trump, your economics was all right when he was at the helm. I mean it was embarrassing he was around the, the world problem, saying crazy mm-hmm. things and that, but the, the, the country got worse once he left. I mean mm. for that person but for the people the living there. Mm-hmm. This is the, the weird cycle. Whenever we notice, whenever we have democratic, uh, what do you call it, Democrat uh, presidents, mm-hmm. a lot of their terms, at least the, uh, definitely the first one, is cleaning up the mess of their Republican predecessor. Okay. That was the case with Obama, and this is the case with Biden. Biden, even even in the things that he planned to do, his priority had to be cleaning up post Post-Trump, post-COVID America. Trump. If, that if Trump, was the priority. If Trump didn't behave how he behaved, I, I can't remember what the documentary is called. I watched it. It's proper decent. But if he didn't behave and, also, and made the decisions also, he made in COVID, he, he, he would have won. Mm. That he, America he fucked would be up with COVID. So, America could be so different. If Hillary would have won that election... We would have Trump put three Supreme Court justices in power. We are we are, just for lack of a better word, fucked for a couple generations. Would you have wanted Hillary? In three power? Supreme Court justices. Oh my God, over Trump. I think even a lot of Trumpians, in retrospect, would you know what say it is. You know what's happening. You don't <laughs> hate. You don't hate Trump so much. Yeah, yeah. that's it. But this is the thing. You're prepared this to put up with because Hillary, these are not good yeah, people, at man. All. At all. This is, this but is you have crazy. To, you have to take the lesson of the evils. You also have to realize that a lot of Trump supporters, which is why okay, a, a yeah. lot of this is interesting to watch, there are a lot of Trump supporters who are only Trump supporters on off the bat of financial uh, viewpoints. Mm. There are a lot of Republicans who are only Republicans. Isn't, isn't no. that enough? Our, our resident conservative said? No. Why? No. If, if everyone has money, sure. Are you kidding me? If everyone has money, right? Isn't everyone's quality of life better? And everyone just less no. stress? Because no. 
look at how look at how Trump single-handedly racially divided America. Look at look at how he single-handedly just by his existence mm. racially divided America. Okay, the the moment no, Trump what, got what? into office, look at it's look at the, the issue the racial climate of America since 2016. Mm. Are like even an even a fool would have to admit. Yeah, there's a stark difference. All, all I would say is in response and, to what you said about the um, the racial divide, if those black people were economically in a better position, you think they would care? <laughs> I'm telling you. What do you mean? Who's, who's gonna care? Like if, if 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 white people hated me, right, and it was clear that they hated, yeah, me, but I was okay economically, mm-hmm. or I was good, I was thriving economically, me and my community, I wouldn't care. You know okay. why that's an unfair point to make? Tell me. Because 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 black people have are you know statistically economically disadvantaged. Mm. We we are put in a position where we have to prioritize things like money. If if money was normal to us, don't you think we'd be worried about other things? This, I. Is, this is what I'm saying. Things like things like all the things that have been snatched from people since Trump being in office. You know what it is. If yeah. we I, could, if we could, if we. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Because I'll go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say because I don't want to defend Trump. The only reason why I can't actually probably even talk about him like that, yeah, is because I'm not. I don't live over there, so yeah. it's not really affecting <laughs> yeah, me. That is what it is. But we had to do with Boris and idiots anyway. <laughs> but what what I will say, yeah, is that what I could see from the outside looking that people gravitate towards, yeah, is his realness. You know what I'm trying to say, and just. Mm. And and because you talk about the racial divide, I don't live in America. I've only been there once. But from what I see and from what I know, that racial divide has always been there. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? That no. I don't think. Marks, let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. It has always been there, but the level of flagrance by That's white I mean. people. So it's gone from being over to covert. Mm. But people are just now just talking no. how they feel, but they can still, if the money's right, they can still coexist. You know what I'm trying to say? They're still going to coexist. Um, like, it doesn't Mark. change. Them Confederate flags and things are still flying around your place. Whether people was talking about it and being proud about it, if you drive and you live in those communities, you still see that shit. Y'all look crazy. Marks. Okay. Sorry, but I also had the privilege of living in Washington, D.C. during the Trump era. <laughs> Quite literally from beginning to end. Oh, was you there when they stole um, the Capitol? No. <laughs> yes, I was driving. No, I... I no, Marks. I kid you not. I was driving in DC. Gave them legitimacy. I was driving in DC casually when the insurrection was happening, and my mom is literally texting me, "I don't want you outside." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" As I casually drive past, mm. this is happening in front of my eyes. Now you're right. He did embolden a whole section I of can people. Never get behind Trump at all. Huh? He's in, he's endorsing. I kid, Marks. When when Trump got elected, mind you, you guys know I went to Howard, the top HBCU. Big up. No, there's no America that I've known that a white person would find it in the white people who are scared of black people for just existing would come to a black campus, know it's a black campus, wearing full-fledged Make America Great Again attire. Mm. Just to make you uncomfortable and, and let you know I'm standing on business when it comes to my racism. Mm. Do you know white people came and brought their kids for a school tour to Howard? God knows why. They come into my cafeteria in full-fledged Trump MAGA hats, whatever. By the time they left that campus, do you know the students flicked those things off their heads and told them get out of here? Now you want to cry? Oh, assault! What's wrong with you? 
it's it's not it's not that you can support your political candidate, but white people are taking this this politics thing when it comes to Trump as a I'm racist and I'm standing on business. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, the highest power in the land is also standing on the same business. So what are you? Okay, what are you little N-word going to do about it? All those things that you're saying are true. That is the climate of America. Yeah, no, all those things that, are, that you're saying are true, 100%. And it's your, it's your lived experience, so there's no, there's no place for me to question it here. What I will ask you is, could... Like, are you able to separate the two? Is there anything that Trump done good? Or is there any benefits to Trump? Like, aside of all of that, because that's the negatives. We know what that is. Like, you, you can't escape it. I'm saying, is there any benefits or anything? Has he done anything good in your eyes ever? There probably was. There probably was. And I was talking to my aunt about this the other day. I think all presidents, Republican or, or not, have have things that you you would have supported. They're probably smaller in terms of your grander views, but we cannot say that we despise every single thing a president does. I'm sure Trump did something that was beneficial for other people. The problem is the bigger picture and the bigger impacts. I'm not going to... If Trump were to what? Decrease taxes, but remove abortion and put three racist Supreme Court justices, am I seriously going to be like, but... You know, my taxes are 50 cents cheaper every month. Like, are you, be for real. Yeah, hey. <laughs> like, and that is the logic of a lot of people. Like, when I'm reading posts and stuff from these big pages and, you know, they're posting about what's happening in the political climate, people are like, the cost of living is rising and yada, yada, yada. People in the comments, like, vote, vote Republican and things will change. It might, financially, on a very minor scale. But God forbid I'm sitting up here and Trump is literally planting seeds that he can turn this country into a dictatorship. Literally every branch of government has even watched the way his, his opponents talk about him. You would think if I was a Republican opponent of Trump and I'm also running for the seat of president, I would be castrating him for everything that I think is nonsense. It's like they're running against someone who they don't want to, don't want to ridicule. It makes no sense. They shook a Trump. If Trump if Trump beats them cases that he's got, he'll be running again and mm-hmm. and he'll he will and, 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 and he'll win. He, <laughs> to be totally honest. To my you. point, he said this before. Literally, my I was telling me, um, while Trump was running the first time, he and this is you have to understand when Trump was running the first time, everybody thought he wasn't serious. Like, no way we're gonna sit here and have this man as the president of the United States be so for real, right? Mm. He literally said, if I were to go into Times Square and kill six people or however many people he said, nothing would happen to me. Nothing would happen to me. And what do you think he's doing with government? He's so confident that he can do whatever he wants, and we're literally watching him do it. A president saying, I don't want to leave the White House. I'm not, Biden's win was not valid. I'm not going to leave. And encouraging violent protesters to take over Congress? Oh my God, if that was Obama, we would not be hearing the end of it. We were crying about Hillary and her stupid freaking emails. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh God, it's tough over there, man. It's tough over there. Well, yeah. Hope you make the right choices anyway, in your votes. You get me? Remember? I vote in California, so my vote's going to be the Democratic Republic, uh, regardless. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> but remember. everybody needs to get out and vote. Yeah, they do. But remember, yeah. Joe Biden is endorsing the um, genocide of the Palestinian people. Mm. And he was in cahoots with uh, yeah. Ukraine. <laughs> taking people and you know what's sick about that? You know what's sick about that? This is this is Republicans are going to 
full of stupid Democrats because sometimes Democrats are so freaking stupid and they're going to use that as everyone's, you know, protesting, saying on business when it comes to this whole Israel thing. Whole time, they're just, they just don't care nothing about all of that. In fact, they even support what Biden's doing. But because they know that's your ticking point, we want to protest everything, go ahead and protest so that I can go and collect all the Republican votes. Are we dumb? <laughs> like, are we really stupid? <laughs> like, you have to pick the lesser of the two evils. And if you think that this is a, a deal breaker for you because Biden made the decision to support whatever he did the other day, you're not going to vote for him. You do realize the other option is Trump, who's going to do that, stand on business, and do that with other countries, too. So mm. we're just going to sit here and continue to protest. Be so for Everyone needs to educate themselves. Pick up a book, please. <laughs> mm. Thank you very much, Stacey. I'm glad that we have good no problem. people on um, both sides. Yeah, especially because it's 4.30 a.m. 4.30 a.m. Damn. 4.30 a.m. is Thursday. Yeah, I'm still on the East Coast, y'all. I'm Stacey, going when, back to Cali till next year. Stacey, when are, you, when are you coming to the UK, man? Oh, man. You know what's so crazy? I was just talking about this the other day. Um, the goal is to come either before June or come for my 25th in August. I was there 2022. I'm planning to come back again that my birthday is August 20th, so I came for my birthday in Carnival Weekend. Okay, so I might cool. do the same. All right, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for calling. Thank you. Take care. Of course. Take care. Talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, so we have another call coming in. He is a historian, uh, a well-read, a well-learned man. Hip-hop historian. I'm not sure how much he knows about hip-hop. Just checking. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Timmy. Well? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can hear you. Oh, okay. I thought somebody said no. Um, yeah, sorry. I think I interrupted before the historian called, so I'll keep it quick. You guys know me. Um, a huge shout out to our USA correspondent Stacey, but I'll I'll come back to talking point after because you might have moved a bit wild, as if to say um, this guy Trump isn't the equivalent of Boris, but on steroids. And when the country put him to be prime minister, are we not looking at the country that you guys are not well? So let's actually wake up a sort of coffee because he's way better. Yeah, who you have to decide anyway? Who's that? No, sorry, 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 go on. No, no, tell me. I don't know. No, can you? Oh. <laughs> I just said he's better than Boris. My bad, sorry. Yeah, really, your bad boy. Because, like I said, I'll come to it later, but you guys, it's not you guys, but a lot of the time, I find that certain people of colour um, hyper associate themselves with people who are, in very commas, like self made millionaires, etc. etc. People like Elon and Trump, guys, that you, like, I, I think Elon has much more to the world than Trump does, but these people are. I'm not even trust by the kids. A million down steroids, and they've been able to fail upwards their entire life. So I'm just gonna put out there, I'm gonna aside, and we'll focus on the topic. So with that being said, um, it was just that with the whole um the different universities. So there was more than one university that actually asked for uh the like, head lecturer to like resign and stuff. Um and I think both of the ladies did, and I feel like there's a reason why it's only the black lady that's sitting in front of us there on a congressional hearing. Maybe the others did. I didn't see a video of it. But I do think it's important to like, be aware. Like, and I think, I think there's a reason why um, a lot of the time we, can't, we don't get to see everything that happens in the House of Commons. 
And I think there's a reason for that. And other times we do get to see it. Um, because my point is basically a lot of the time, as you guys are aware, working in media, Mr. Brennan's little shorts, people love a good soundbite. So the reality is like, yeah, we, I think in the UK, we do have a lot of awareness of American politics, but we shouldn't kind of be delusional in thinking that, oh, we know better than, for example, someone like Stacey. Because I find it quite funny. I get your point, Mark, yeah. But you said, oh, um, Stacey, your lived experience. But the funny thing is, she barely spoke about her lived experience until it came to literally driving past the capital that day. For the most part, Stacey was actually speaking politics about like the land that she actually lives in. Don't really understand people like Kevin saying that Trump didn't increase racism in America. There's the reason why racism in America is not the same as the UK, and that's because if you look at percentage-wise, it's, I feel like the white people feel like there's a bit too much of them, if that makes any sense. So you're going to have a little, a lot more, not a little more, a lot more pushback. Um, I think someone like Mike B wrote in the chat about what Eman said in terms of like, oh, I'll be fine if I was a rich guy in America, black guy in America. At the end of the day, sir, when do you stop for you? They don't know who you are, what you are. Many a black lawyer, many a black professional has been stopped by the police in an inappropriate manner. Um, many, so we'll just put that to the side. So my point just was that basically, yeah, with the professors, there was more than, there was like around three at least. I think that um, while in the beginning, Mars was saying a valid point, like, oh my gosh, like, she wasn't ready, she wasn't ready. She could have been better prepared for sure, but at the same time, she also had sense because at the end of the day, as she's aware, this clip will now be used on sound bites. And as a black woman, if she even reads and interrupts her, and that woman has to be like, retaining my time, retaining my time, because there's literally rules about who's not speaking, who's not. So if she ever were to speak over the woman or to say, oh, um, it may be a form of hate speech. However, from my understanding, da, 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 the woman will cut her off and say, no, answer my question. And that is actually how it goes. So you have to be realistic because, like I said, like this black woman is, she, much like Stacey, she actually lived in America and she's well aware and she's, she's, she's gone through academia. A lot of black women who are literally rich, successful, they talk about the fact that as a professor in America, it's so hard to get tenure. Tenure for them is like, okay, well, no matter what, you're going to get like a salary working for 10 to years and blah, blah, blah. Whereas the majority of black professors in America do not get tenure. They'll be looking for left or right of their counterparts who they are better than, who they get better reports from than the students, the feedback. However, they don't get tenure. If I'm, if I'll put this aside, but it's just always to say that, um, yeah, that black woman was well aware of like how it would be taken if she was to speak like if it comes out of turn, I really defend herself and do X, Y, Z. Because very much so, once again, this her country, that same person I was speaking to her on the, on the podium, that woman was heavily defending um, Bill Santos. And I think many a time, I feel, I'm definitely sitting on TV more than once, basically, just defending that side of things. And that's why politics do matter. Because we can talk about um, Trump's orange tan to come. By the end of the day, people that have positions of power will choose people to be the um, the, uh, the the board, I forget what it's called, ha, ha, justice, whatever it is. Mm. I feel like in our country, they'll put a chief justice, something judge. Yeah, they get they have sway, and very much so, like, as I'm talking about um, voting and stuff, there's a lot of fears that, okay, well, if Trump gets in office, for example, he's going to allow two or three more places for a judge that was previously Democrat, mm-hmm. which is now Republican, which is really the only reason why a lot of these um, anti-abortion bills got to pass. So I'll leave it at that. And on the last note, I did ask in the chat if people think that the Alabama brawl would have actually um, taken place if Trump never got into office. I think it would have, personally. I think made people more confident. It would be more vocal. But I'll stop there. All right. Thank you, Thank you very much for that, man. Anytime. Anytime. Thank you. 
All right, um, young handsome man, you can call in now. <sighs> yes, it's, it's a very tricky, tricky situation, man. I we haven't spoken about American politics in a while, have we? Yeah, exactly. Should do. We should get into it sometime. <laughs> Good morning, politics is fun, though. Mm-hmm. American politics is fun. Yeah. yeah. Good, Good morning. morning. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Oh, uh, is that Brent? It's Emmanuel, but yes, it is Brent too. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Guys, yeah, good, good morning. Am I on? Uh, I just called from the mobile, left the YouTube channel. Am, am I um, on air at the moment? You are, yes. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Good stuff, good stuff. Right, okay. Um, thank you very much for taking the call. Um, I, yeah, no problem, no problem. No, uh, we have a common friend, uh, Danielle, mm-hmm. and um, obviously she's been talking, uh, telling me about this podcast and this um, um, uh, this YouTube channel for a while, and I wanted to get in touch with her at some point. You guys were talking about the Israel-Palestine thing today. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to uh, drop a cup of my two cents in here, if that's okay. Yeah. Right, and take the stage. Um, thank you very much. So, look, um, I think there's the most important thing, the most striking thing for me, as someone who uh, uh, is uh, a reader of history and uh, takes an interest in politics, especially global politics, the, the important thing that I think that needs to be understood um, uh, to your listeners and to the broader uh, communities and 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 uh, uh, the population is that uh, what we're actually dealing with here is a colonial project. It's a colonial enterprise. Let's put the name Israel to one side. What you have here is Zionism. Zionism was Zionism was a, uh, a, a, a colonial settler enterprise, and this is what gets forget uh, forgotten. The founders of Zionism. You guys would know Herzl and, and uh, Wiseman and these people. They were atheist Jews. They weren't. They weren't interested in the religious dimension of Zionism, as were people like Asher Ginsberg, uh, a respected 19th-century scholar, who had actually been to Palestine, unlike Herzl. And the, what the Zionists essentially did was the was to use the Jewish people to attain their colonial ends. And this is something which people don't understand. Everyone thinks it's it's inextricably tied to Judaism. It's actually not. This is very important to understand. It's a colonial project, and one of the cornerstones of colonialism is racism. Racism is the means by which um, uh, a colonial project is made successful. It's no different from when um, the, the founding fathers landed in Plymouth, uh, not founding fathers, the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock, uh, observed the Amerindians, and talked in terms of being them being savages, and then we had to save the savages. And then when the Brits went to Africa, went to Asia, they talked in terms of civilizing the savages. And now you've got a situation where the Israelis are bombing the savages. There's, there's always a pretext, there's always an excuse to, they have to dehumanize, denigrate um, uh, the, the subject people, otherwise they cannot succeed in their colonial project. And this is what needs to be understood. And this is what the vast majority of people in this country don't understand, that it's a colonial project. It's something which is not genuine to the Jewish faith, because the Jewish faith does not have um, the notion of, if you speak to the Orthodox Jews, they don't believe they, that they, uh, they have the right to the land of Israel until the Messiah comes. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the motivations, especially in American um, evangelical Christianity, uh, to whom the uh, political elite pander to, which is why Israel gets so much support, um, they're all trying to accelerate this coming of Jesus. And I have to tell you guys, um, 
between 1917, in fact, 1921 and 1948, when you had the British mandate in Palestine, um, uh, when, when Zionism was kind of taking root, the, the people who trained, it was a Brits who trained the Zionist militia, right? These are terrorist groups, right? You have to understand it. What we now call the uh, IDF uh, was originally called the Haganah. Uh, there was the Haganah, there was the Stern Gang, there was the Ergen. There were a number of terrorist groups, uh, militias, trained by the British. And one of the key trainers was a guy called Ord Wingate. Those of you who know the history of the Sudan and the Mahdiist uprising, um, and uh, Lord Kitchener was there at the time, would know Wingate from those days. So Wingate was seconded to Palestine to train the militia. Now, why am I telling you this? It's because these guys were devout Christians of that time. In fact, Lloyd George's entire cabinet, including Balfour himself, they're all anti-Semites, by the way, declared open, on-the-record anti-Semites. And yet, these people had the audacity to then be uh, using the, uh, the Zionist cause to attain their ends and to satisfy what they called the Jewish problem. Anyway, I'm, I'm jumping around here. The point I'm making is that Wingate and the associates of the, of the Brits at that point um, they were training up the, the Zionist militia around that time to dispossess the people. They undertook what uh, something which is called the, the village files, or Elan Pape calls the village files. And that's when they prepared a registry. Now, listen to this carefully. They prepared a registry through which they um, uh, mapped out. It was a cartographic exercise. So they mapped out where the water is, where the villages are, the, where the mosques are, where the businesses are, the craftsmen. The I mean, they completely matter. And it took between 1936 and 1939, I think into 1942, they, they mapped out in entirety the land of Palestine in readiness. Because what they did, what they added to that registry was the people who rebelled against them, the villages and the leaders of the rebellions, where they lived and who they were. And that became a blueprint for the ethnic cleansing that was to uh, ensue in 1948. What you got to understand is the first PM of Israel, uh, David Ben-Gurion, was the guy who was um, uh, exercising that uh, uh, ethnic cleansing from its uh, preliminary stages when they had the registry right through to 1948 when Israel was founded. Look, the, the reason I'm going on about this, guys, is it's important to understand. Everything in the media gets focused on 7th of October, and Hamas, and do you condemn Hamas? You've got clowns like Piers Morgan constantly saying, "Do you?" in every interview, do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn? Because that's part of the narrative. It's part of the perception engineering. It's the same as when, um, and I won't go into the Al-Qaeda 9-11 thing, but there's a, there's a very distinct parallel there. But what they're doing is getting us to focus on, nine, uh, on uh, 7th of October and in recent years and what's been going on with no... Uh, attention allowed or afforded to the last 100 years. This is a 100-year-old occupation. This is what people need to understand. It's that they've um, uh, come in as, you know, looking for spiritual sanctuary in the early 1910s. This is the Jewish people who were used by the Zionists. Um, uh, and then they, bit by bit, they've effectively taken over the land, then they've kicked out the people of that land, and then you've got this uh, amazing rhetorical inversion uh, where the people who colonized are the people who then are uh, playing the victim and pointing fingers at the dispossessed and saying they're the terrorists, they're the bad people, they're the ones that are backwards, we built the country. That You know, it's it's a complete inversion of reality. I, 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 um, uh, it's, uh, stop me if I'm going too fast, guys, because there's a lot to say uh, on all of this, right? And uh, do, do step in with any questions. But it's, it's important to recognize 
things like um, if you look at what's going on in the media in the UK now, especially with that that Braverman person. Now that she, I mean, thank God she's gone. Not that the new guy's any better, but she was framing this entire conflict as Islamists versus the Jews. Mm. I mean, this is so false. It's so uh, outrageous. This is about an occupied territory by an occupier, a hundred-year-old occupation. And the uh, the entirety of the PLO struggle and, and all of the subsequent political parties has been one of resistance. But it never gets called resistance, you see. There's this strange control that the Israeli narrative has on both British and American politics. And we all know this. You can't deny this, uh, the control that the the ADL and APAC and these guys have on the, on the American um, uh, in the American government. So all I'm trying to say, and again, there's a lot of information I'm trying to sort of contain it as much as possible. All I'm trying to say is there's a lot of false narratives out there, right? Um, uh, the Zionists are historically famous for their deceit from the origins when they came into Palestine and said, uh, this is a land without a people for a people without a land, uh, which is a complete lie. They're making it sound like it was an empty land, nothing going on there. Uh, to uh, things like the... Um, the Lavon affair uh, in Egypt, the Baghdad bombings—they—they they were. They, uh, it's claimed by uh, a predominant scholar, um, I think it might be Shlomo, who said that the Zionists were behind the Baghdad bombings of the synagogue in Baghdad, Baghdad, yeah. because they needed to encourage uh, um, the migration of the Jews back to Israel. Because the only way you successfully complete um, uh, your colonial project is to get mass migration. And it, it's to be recalled. And sorry, I was going on about the um, the, uh, uh, the the seats of the Zionists. So you know, there, there's they have been caught out a number of times. If you know the USS Cole, if you know, as I said, the Lavon affair, um, there are many instances where they have um, uh, been caught lying, and this, they carry on doing it. So for them to peddle out narratives that the Hamas are doing this and you know, raping and the beheading and all these things which turned out to be false at the end of the day, um, yet they're able to uh, propagate it and it gets re-parroted via our media agencies. So these, we have to understand what's really going on. We have to challenge media narratives. We have to um, uh, frame this as... Uh, and, and, and the moment you speak up uh, about it, they call you anti-Semitic. And this is a fundamental problem. You know, anti-Semitism, which was historically a European Christian problem, has somehow been managed to be, they've reframed it and, and imposed it, not even imposed it, foisted it on, on the Muslim people to say, uh, well, these are the guys who are the uh, cause of the anti-Semitism and Jews no longer feel safe in London. We have to really debunk, we have to break down, challenge these narratives because it's not true. So look, I'll finish because I know I've been talking no, wait, for a yeah. while. No, 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 you're, yeah, you're going to have to go off. I've got two questions for you. My first question is, yeah. when are you coming on the show, young sir? <laughs> <laughs> when are you coming to sit down and no. take part of the, of the podcast? Well, there's a lot to be said. So, yeah, I, I'll take you up on it at some point. Yeah, make, we, you can get in contact. Because I'm literally giving you the the, 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 surface, the, the surface stuff. There's, there's so much we can yeah, get we can into. Um, well, someone someone from the um, chat has a question for you. They said, can you ask the gentleman to explain the claims on the other side that they were expelled from that land when they were taken as slaves? Because he needs to understand more of that. Certainly. I, I, I will certainly do that. You have to understand something, right? There's... There's this narrative by these Zionists that um, uh, you know we it's our our ancestral land and we lived there for years and whatever it might be. The fact of the matter is that land that we're in question right now 
around the year 3000 BC, it was you had what we called the people called the Canaanites there, right? And they had no real political structure there. Then it was um, by 1700, you had the Chaldeans, who were a combination of the Hebrew tribes from southern Iraq, and um, uh, I think. Uh, uh, I, I forget the, oh, the Philistines. That's right, the Philistines. Yeah. So from the Canaanites to the Chaldeans to the to the um, um, uh, the Babylonians to the Assyrians to the Persians, the Greeks. Persians, in all Romans. of that time, mm-hmm. the Romans and then the Muslims after that. Ottoman, what you could understand, yeah. absolutely right. Um, you can go all the way to the present day. What's important to understand in in those last five thousand years of history, there was only a Jewish state under David and Solomon. Uh, between, I think, about 970 and 900, mm. right, that father and son combination, that's when you had a unified Jewish state. There never was a Jewish nation or a land as they are claiming right now. It's one of the false narratives of Zionism. It wasn't So it wasn't set up, but there was, well, who was it? David, King David and the man that gave him the yeah. place. And then between the different empires, there's been points and times where they've been welcomed there, living together, mm-hmm. and there's been times when certain people come in and then expel them from, from mm. it. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yes, yeah, so I mean, it was so the Babylonians destroyed the first temple and they got yeah. rid of them, and the Greeks weren't very nice. And it was the Persians that who actually invited the Jews back. Yeah. Uh, they they helped to reconstruct the uh, the temple, which is what the Hanukkah uh, celebration is about, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, and then and then um, uh, the Romans then ended the what was called the Maccabee rule, um, and then the Romans again destroyed the second temple. Now the point is they were expelled, but then. Throughout uh, the AD periods and the Domini periods, um, the Jews, yes, they were expelled from one place to another. The Romans continued. In fact, it's worth knowing the story of uh, Omar um, in Ibn Khattab, the, the second caliph of the Islamic world after the Prophet Muhammad. He was the one who conquered Jerusalem. And when he arrived, it's a very interesting story. When he arrived in Jerusalem, um, uh, Empress Sophronius had the, 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 the city had been defeated already. But when he arrived, um, he 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 was on a camel. Um, there's a guy on a camel, and there's a guy walking. And uh, Sophronius saw these guys coming, and he was told, "Here's the leader of the the, the you know the Muslims." And he couldn't believe what he was seeing. He goes, "How can uh, a leader of the Muslims be sitting on a camel?" And when he got closer, he realized it wasn't the uh, on a camel was the uh, servant of the of the caliph. The caliph was actually walking. And he said, why, is, why are you walking? Why is your servant on the camel? He said, we take turns. So this is the kind of humility that the guy had. And then Omar found out, Omar inquired about uh, the Jews. He said, you know, where are the Jews? And Sophronius sort of said, well, we kind of killed them all because they were troublemakers. And Omar, and this is a historical fact, Omar uh, fell to his knees and he cried. He said, you know, what happened? What, what, what have you done? Why did you do this? And then he asked to go to the Temple Mount. Where the, where the temple was, um, the, the Jewish temple. And it was turned into a, a bit of a, a junkyard. It was like a dump. And uh, Omar, with his hands on his knees, he was, he was scraping together all the, all the dirt and trying to clean it up. This is the reverence that the prophets and the, um, and the caliph, subsequent caliphs, had for the Jewish people as being uh, the messengers and, and the children of Moses. This is the reverence that the Muslims have always had. And, yet, and this is the reason, also the reason why they lived in relative harmony and peace throughout the next thousand years into the Ottoman Empire, right up until the point of Zionism. That's when it went wrong. Zionism is the reason why that peace between the Muslims and the Jews and the Christians uh, disintegrated, and now it's been framed for political purposes. It's very important to understand this. And I want to tell you one more thing. Herzl went to uh, um, 
uh, you know, he wasn't getting traction. Nobody was interested in Zionism. The Jews, the diaspora, were not interested in coming back to uh, uh, to Israel. They had worked hard to integrate in England, in America, in Germany, in various countries. They had worked very hard to become an English Jewishman, an English, uh, an American Jew, etc. So they weren't interested in splitting that loyalty. And so Herzl went first. He went to Russia, and he said to the Tsars. Um, uh, I will take care of your Jewish problem. You know, these socialist intellectuals are trying to cause a revolution. I'll take care of them for you. So, uh, and and uh, a guy called um, Zhilovsky, who was the socialist leader of the Jews, um, uh, he was furious with her. So he said, this guy is not interested in in uh, the plight of the Jewish people. He's interested in a colonial or, or no, his Zionist project. Um, uh, so, you know, he, he uh, the Herzl had no success there. He then went to the Germans, spoke to the Kaiser, same thing about Jewish problem, and we'll take care of the Jewish problem for you. In other words, using the Jews, right, just for the sake of the migration. Right? He needed migration into Israel, and that failed as well. It was the Brits uh, in, in all of their cunning, and we know the British history. I mean, we'll talk about it another time as well, hopefully in your show, about British history and, and, and colonial past. But it was the Brits who entertained Zionism for their own ends. And first of all, as I said before, they were all anti-Semites. The, the, the cabinet, Lloyd George cabinet, Baldwin, uh, Balfour, all of them were anti-Semites. Um, uh, and the reason why the declaration was given, the Balfour declaration was given, is because, it's very interesting, you have to know this, because this doesn't get talked about. Britain, in 1917, needed Russia to remain in the war. Don't forget there was a revolution in Russia, the Tsars were gone, and the uh, Lenin and the, and, and the Bolsheviks had taken over. What the Zionists offered the Brits was, or more to the point, Brits used the Zionists because of the Jewish connection to say, um, okay, we'll give you the Balfour Declaration, we'll give you the declaration for that land in, in Israel, but we need you to control and keep the Russians in on our side in the war. Right? Uh, and this is the reason why the Balfour Declaration was issued. It was a, it was a horse trading going on there, and that horse trading led to the dispossession of uh, hundreds of thousands of people, murder, ethnic cleansing going on to this day. These are the subtle, um, uh, you know, uh, points of note that everyone has to understand if you're going to be serious about uh, what the history of the uh, of the so-called Holy Land is. Again, I'm still skimming the surface here. I mean, like, like, like Mark said, we definitely need you to come in and so that we can <laughs> talk about this, right? Because um, obviously, I'm going to have a, a lot of questions to throw at you from the opposing side. I, mean, I have to do my job, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But I am agreeing with what you're saying pretty much, right? But I did want to ask you, though. Yeah. Obviously, you did mention mm -hmm. um, in 1917, um, basically, um, the whole situation of Russia being in the war, right? Or, yes. or at least the Brits wanted them to, uh, to remain in the war. What about the influence of the Rothschilds? Because obviously the, the Balfour Declaration was, you know, all that was influenced also by Lord uh, Rothschild at the time, right? Yes, where, absolutely. Where, where do you see I think, his influence? Well, it's a, it, there's an open declaration. There's, it's not a, you know, I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories associated with the Rothschilds, and, and you know, that comes naturally when you're a very rich family and you have a history of banking. You, you're supporting both sides of the war when it comes to, Napoleon and you know the other and, and Britain etc. Um, but the fact is, uh, uh, Balfour's declaration was addressed to Lord Rothschild, mm -hmm. and um, uh, and to be honest with you, I don't think it's as conspiratorial as people think. I think uh, they are obviously very very rich people. They were very very rich fa uh, a very rich family, um, a dynasty almost. Um, and if they had um, a motivation to fund 
the Zionist project, then they probably did. In fact, you know, when the Herzl went to Turkey um, and spoke to Sultan Abdul Hamid, he said to Turkey, we want that bit of land. Uh, give us that bit of land because under the Ottomans, right? Remember? Um, uh, and they said, we would we will pay all your debts because at that time, the Ottomans were virtually about to collapse, right? Financially, economically, socially. Um, uh, and, the, and the Zionists said, we'll pay for your debts. So then that begs the question, what power did the Zionists have financially to be able to pay off the debts of the Ottoman Empire. Mm. And the all roads go back to Rothschild uh, in, in that respect. And I don't mean to pitch that as a conspiracy, but that's what you Makes can sense. deduce mm. from, from uh, that. But it is historically true that uh, Herzl did offer to pay the debts of the Ottoman Empire in exchange for the land uh, of Palestine. So uh, Rothschild, will, that family will have a, um, an involvement in this, but the, the extent to which they're involved, I have not come across written texts around that. It probably it's probably out there, but anything uh, beyond what I've said there, we just you know it veers into conspiracy land. So I tend to avoid that. All right, all right. Yeah. Thank you, so uh, Brent's going to be in touch. Is that good? We're going to get. We're going to. We're going to oh, some dates. All right, no in. problem. No problem. Yeah, official, yeah. We, we, yes, definitely. Yeah, let, let's do that. Let's do that because you know I, I just want people to understand, uh, and we haven't talked about it much, but the the racism is a very very significant part of a colonial project, and especially Israel. You guys would. I don't know if you've seen the videos coming out of uh, normal Israelis where they're dressing up like Palestinians, including making their faces black, black facing themselves, mm. and then singing songs about how we have no electricity and how we have no, you know, mocking them for not having electricity or gas or hospitals or whatever it might be. So that racism has been indoctrinated into the people, and that's the only way um, a colonial project survives is when you have that object of hate. Mm. And don't forget, the next level of that is fascism, because in fascism, you have an object of hate and you have a supremacy theory. Nazis had uh, the Jews as the object of hate and they had the Aryan supremacy as that um, uh, supremacy theory. Mm. Just like in India, India, you know, we, we'll talk about that as well, but India is also a fascist state right now under Modi. They also have an object of hate, which is the Muslims and the Christians, and they have their own supremacy theory about um, what's called Akhand Bharat, which is extended India. Um, and uh, they have like their own area in theory because you're, they all you're speaking, you remember well. everything. <laughs> I mean, you remember I mean, but, everything. But it's important to know these things because it's, there's so much of the world it's, in front of us that's ob obfuscated and obscured by media. 100%. You know, it's hard to, to have conversations truth. with people or to look forward to the future if you don't understand the context of history. And 100%. I tell people all the time. And I've been telling people yeah, from yeah. the beginning of time that they're not going to stop till they take the whole of Palestine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I told you a lot. It took the Europeans 140 something years to take America. It's only been 100 years and this place is much smaller. They're not going to. Yeah. Obviously, it's different because we're watching it play out in real mm -hmm. time, innit? So with social media mm -hmm. and the voices are louder yeah. and everybody's disdain towards it. But we've watched this thing happen in society pure times. So everyone wants to know what their aim is and what their goal is. And it is to take that whole whole place that's mm. colonization of the mm -hmm. whole land that yeah. is it yeah. it's a it's a declared objective uh i don't know if it was uh iman speaking there or, or, or somebody else but uh, it's uh, learned, uh, your learned uh, brother yeah. marks man nice nice uh, there's another thing you guys uh, i didn't mention to you right in Herzl's private diaries mm. he had said that the success of this project is uh, a contingent upon the dispossession of Palestinian rights and lands. Yeah. It's been known for 126 years that this project cannot uh, succeed without the elimination of the um, 
uh, yeah, Palestinian yeah, yeah. people. And that, my friend, is going on to this day. Uh, one final thing, and I swear I'll shut up after that. One <laughs> final thing. When you when you have a genocide that takes over, let's say, over a month or three months, like something like the, the Bosnia genocide or, or the Nazi Holocaust, when something happens in a short period of time, then people notice it. it you know, you call it a genocide. It's manifest in your face. But when you have what I call an attritional genocide, something which takes over a hundred years or so, as the case, as is the case in Palestine, then no one notices it. No one calls it genocide. They call it, you know, uh, ethnic troubles or, or um, you know, local issues or you know, um, domestic problems. From 1948 to 1956, when the massacres were going on. By the Israelis expelling people from the villages and, and killing the uh, the Palestinians, the international community, the UN, and all these people they looked away. And Ilan Pape calls it a conspiracy of silence because it was, and it's important because that conspiracy of silence is the reason why Israel gets away with everything right now. They're in breach of every international law when it comes to war, um, and, but they don't give a damn. That belligerence is so accentuated right now, you're not going to be able to pull them right down because they've been given that free hand by the Americans and by um, uh, a proven uh, uh, ignoring of international human rights organizations. That's the reason why the genocide continues and no one says anything. And you know what? And I'm sorry to finish on a, on a sad note, but I really don't believe there's, there's genuine justice in the world when you have the current status quo of uh, so-called democratic nations uh, leading um, uh, at the helm. It's, it's, it, uh, democracy is really just something to uh, keep people dumbed down, keep them consumerized. Again, this is another topic we should talk about, right? Because everything is about making commodities of ourselves. Uh, so we carry on buying, serving the interests of very rich, rich multinational corporations who, in the meantime, control governments and achieve their ends. Anyway, I'm going to stop there, guys. I mean, I'm sure people are sick of hearing me. Um, no, no, they're, they're, not, they're not, man. Uh, Don't be surprised. Don't worry, man. When you come, I reckon it's probably going to be our longest show. <laughs> I, look, I look forward to it, though. They've actually called uh, you. I look um, forward to meeting you guys as well. They've called you Mr. Voice. So mm. that's your name from now on. No, nice. That's, that's very nice of you. But, I, I, uh, I think we got to do yeah. it before the end of the year, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm with it. I'm putting pressure on you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's what we sort it out. But um, right, yeah, cool. thanks for your call, man. Anyway, very much appreciate great speech, you guys. Thanks appreciate so much. It, Catch okay. up soon. Take care. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. All right. All right. Don't see. Um, don't say we don't do sure. nothing for you, innit? You know what I'm saying? All right. Well, like the video, man. Like, God subscribe, share all that good <laughs> stuff. That's definitely the end of the topic of the day. No, that's the end of the headlines too. Somehow, <laughs> 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 what are we going into next? Reaction. <laughs> Let's get into the reaction, baby. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Oh, I don't mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm with it. <laughs>
but the idea of a British comedy about the topic of slavery with white stars was, was anathema to some and several black com British comedians, pardon me, and TV producers criticized the concept of the show on social media. Next headline, and again, Sky News, they found out, man, that the bodies that coordinate and deliver NHS care across England are on track to spend £4.9 billion more than previously planned this financial year. The data was obtained through the Freedom of Information, information requests to England's 42 integrated care systems, the ICSs, which are responsible for allocating the NHS budget to local trusts and commissioning services in their area. Sky News obtained figures from 41 ICSs, every one of whom reported being in a deficit in their latest financial disclosures. As of September, six months into the current financial year, England's ICSs had overspent by an estimated £2.5 billion. If overspending continues at the same pace, that would mean spending £4.9 billion more than planned by the end of March 2024. And our last headline takes us to Africa, where Niger's military leader has refused to release the country's deposed president in exchange for sanctions being lifted. ECOWAS, which is an alliance of West African countries, made the offer after a summit on Sunday. It demanded the release of Mohamed Bazoum several times since it was put under since he was put under house arrest in late July. His relatives say that they have had no information about him since he tried and failed to escape from detention on the 19th of October. On Sunday, ECOWAS leaders met with the region um, still in crisis after military takeovers in Niger, Mali, Burkina Faso, Guinea since 2020, and two um, attempted coups elsewhere in recent weeks. ECOWAS has repeatedly demanded that Niger's junta reinstate civilian rule as soon as possible. The bloc has threatened military intervention and suspended all trade ties to the landlocked country to no avail. On Sunday, the alliance once again joined local and international partners in calling for the junta to release Mr. Bazoum. It also demanded the junta shorten its planned transition to civilian rule, which currently stands at three years. ECOWAS did not say what would be considerable Pardon me, what would be considered an acceptable transition period. I said for the headlines, time to pay the bills. And then it's also time for People's Journal. All right, let me just read out the result of the poll. Mm -hmm. Question was, should external forces be able to pressure an organization to get rid of their leader? 69% says yes, that's activism. And 30% says it's an internal matter, so no. Mm. Interesting. Okay. All right, people, welcome to the People's Journal, where I give you the news from an economics point of view. So, according to official figures, right, by the ONS, the Office for National Statistics, right, they're saying um, that there was a big drop in the rate of inflation, which we obviously know, right, but that's meant that real wages were growing at the highest pace since... September of 2021 in the three months up to October, right? They reported that the basic pay was 7.3% higher compared to the same period last year. Um, that was down from an upwardly revised level of 7.8% reported last month as well, right? Which was the fastest drop since the end of 2021, by the way. But it took real wages, um, you know, when inflation is basically taken into account, they factor all that in, right? So basically it took the real wages now to the highest level it's ever been well, in the last 25 months, like I said, since September of 2021. So, you know, again, looks like certain things are going in, in the direction that most of us would kind of hope for. And on top of that, something that's somewhat linked to it is about rents. So obviously everyone, we've been talking about um, the increases in rent and all that type of stuff 
um, continuing um, during this cost of living and things of that nature. I think one time we were talking about how um, just average properties that um, people are looking at, you know, renting out and stuff. There's huge queues and all sorts, right? So yeah, according to Zoopla, they're saying that the rent rises are expected to half next year. Basically asking prices for new rental properties are falling. That's what they're saying, right? So rent across the UK are looking, is, pardon me, will increase by 5% to December of 2024, right? But that's nearly half of the 9.7% rate of rises seen in the last year to October because of the cost of living crisis affecting people um, and their ability to pay more, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So in the latest indication, what they're saying is that the rent rises have peaked and they believe that the rental growth um, drops from 11.9% um, rises recorded in the year up to 2022. This is all based on their figures um, and whatnot and, the, and, the, and all that type of stuff, right? Um, the forecast 5% increase would be the smallest in roughly three years, right? And not since September of 2021, again, in similar day that I, I, I just mentioned before about um, real wages, um, not since then have rents grown at such a relatively slow pace. So it, does, it doesn't seem like a coincidence, you know what I'm saying? It seems like everything's kind of linked and hopefully again, um, things will start to improve, man. Great news. Um, yes, also, I'm waiting for um, the Bank of England, the governors, well, not the governor, but the, the board to pretty much sit down and, and discuss what's going to happen with the Bank of England's um, base rate. Again, like I said yesterday, I believe it's just going to it's going to remain the same. I don't see them reducing it. I even saw another analyst talking about how he doesn't see it being reduced until 2025. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see what happens. But still, because um, we have, again, if, I, if I'm right about um, December, that would have been three months of consecutive um, no increases. Because of that, it does seem like you know, a lot of banks are a bit more confident and they have reduced their two-year, five-year, and even in some cases their 10-year fixed rates um, offers as well. Um, this is why yesterday we'll talk, yesterday and Friday we were talking about the average two-year fixed rate is now down to below 6%, 5.99%. Last thing I wanted to mention, this is a bit of a, a walker joke here, but, and there's not much to it to be fair, but long story short, um, <laughs> there's a Zimbabwean finance minister here called Mr. Inkube, yeah, or Mr. Matuli, Matuli um, Inkube. And basically, he's been voted the best African finance minister of the year. Bear in mind, Zimbabwe's unemployment rate is as high as 85%. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? 85%. And he's winning awards. And he's won this. I don't know if he's using the money for the country to rig that award. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, everything just doesn't seem good over there. It was, it was just funny when I was reading it. There ain't much to the story, to be fair. But... Yeah, pe people obviously on the inside are basically saying this is a bloody insult. You know what I'm saying? This is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Why Why is this even happening? Um, Reuters news agency was talking about basically up to 80% of transactions are carried out in US dollars. Why? Because there's a total lack of confidence in the local currency. This is the country we're talking about, unfortunately. And this finance minister is voted the best African finance minister of the year. That's funny. Crazy, 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 crazy. Um, yeah, there ain't, like I said, there, is, there isn't much to the story. It's, it's just it's just funny that he, he got this award and he's getting this type of recognition, man, even though the country's kind of messed up. But hopefully, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm being um, naive here, but hopefully this, I don't know, <laughs> this will try and <laughs> prompt them, these guys to fix their things, man. Maybe they see something we don't see. 
or that the figures are not showing. I don't know. But yeah, that's pretty much it for the People's Journal for today, man. All right, then let's get into our final set of headlines. All right, people. So our next headline takes us to Kenya, where the where ministers said that a power blackout, right, that plunged Kenya into darkness on Sunday, was a possible act of sabotage. Crazy. So this happened around eight p.m. right, um, local time, and this is the, Kenya's third nationwide blackout in the past four months. The outage disrupted several services, including the main airport in the capital Nairobi, where two terminals um, were without power for several hours. Many Kenyans obviously have demanded have demanded answers as anger and frustration mounts over the recurring power disruptions. But the transport minister, right, he's come out and he said, like, well, he's been criticised, basically, right, for, um, for the amount of time that it took to restore the power at um, Nairobi's um, main airport. This is the Joma Kenyatta International Airport, right, on Sunday. And um, he's pretty much asked police to investigate the possibility that these recurrent outages is down to sabotage. He feels like there's, there's, something, there's something going on, right? So he was on X the other day, and he, this is what he wrote. He said, considering the frequency of the power disruption and taking into account the fact that the JKIA, this is the Joma Kenyatta International Airport, is a facility of strategic national importance, we are making a formal request to the National Police Service to investigate possible acts of sabotage and cover-up. So yeah, man, we'll, we'll see if, if there's any truth to what you're saying. Next headline, and this is a big trigger warning, guys, man. Big trigger warning. And two women and a man have, have been found guilty of murdering a vulnerable woman who they say was treated like a slave, man. Shakira Spencer died at the age of 35 after falling under the influence of her former neighbor, Ashana Studholm, 38, Studholm's lover, Sean Pendlebury, was 26, and their friend, Lisa Richardson, is 44. The defendants from West London scolded her feet and fed her only ketchup. Imagine. Sachets of ketchup. That's what they gave her. They scolded her feet. Um, jurors heard that Miss Spencer went from being a beautiful, happy, healthy size 16 to a gaunt and skeletal size 6 shortly before her death. Imagine. Last September, her badly decomposed body was found after neighbours saw maggots coming from her flat in Ealing. Imagine. The three defendants have denied murder and, um, and obviously I'm preventing Miss Spencer's lawful burial. But Monday, a jury found all three of these animals guilty of both charges against them. And the last headline, um, trigger warning here as well. And um, a girl who was accused of murdering Brianna Gay has told a jury she was walking away from the teen when, he, when she was stabbed and only saw the attack because she heard a noise like someone screaming. Manchester Crown Court has heard that Brianna was stabbed in a park in Cheshire in February. A 16-year-old girl who was identified for legal reasons as Girl X became upset as she was said that, upset as she said that she saw her co-accused identified as Boy Y attacking Brianna. Boy, boy Y and Girl X have both denied murder. The pair, who were aged 15 at the time of the attack, allegedly lured Brianna, who was a transgender, or who was transgender, pardon me, to Linear Park um, near Warrington on the afternoon of the 11th of February before she was stabbed 28 times. The court has previously been shown what the prosecution said was a handwritten murder plan found in Girl X's bedroom. It also has seen text messages sent between her and, girl, and boy Y, which allegedly showed the plan to lure Brianna to the park and then kill her. Notes were also made on serial killers, including Jeffrey Dahmer, Richard Ramirez, and Harold Shipman in their notebook, and jurors have heard the pair had a fixation with torture, violence, and death. 
with the girl X even describing herself as a Satanist. This is what these people are doing at this age, you know, it's allegedly. Like, 15. I mean, you could be reading books and being productive in life. Sounds like an open and shut case. Anyway, that's it for the headlines, guys. Time to pay the bills. All right, let's get to the reaction. Welcome to the reaction, people. Right, I read your sports headlines. Um, it's Champions League night tonight, so tomorrow should be interesting. But today we'll just keep it brief, let you know what's going on in the world of sport. So our first headline says, Man United women do what the men couldn't. Who picks this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Manchester United kept pace in the Women's Super League title race with a comfortable victory at Tottenham Hotspur. Melvin Mallard starred scoring twice and assisted Ella Toon for her side's second goal while Hayley Ladd added a late fourth. United's win keeps them four points behind leaders Chelsea and a point and a place off the Champions League spots. Spurs are six and now winless in five games. Tottenham have been a really good side this season and made it difficult for us in the first half, England forward Toon told Sky Sports. We showed that grit and character that we have in this team. It wasn't always pretty, but we managed to get um, the three points, which is the main thing. Cool. Now, second headline reads, two detained as Turkish Super League game descends into chaos after full time. So Turkey's interior minister says two people have been detained after a club's president punched the referee in the face at the end of a Super League match. Um, Farouk Kokar, who's president of um, Ankara Gusu, ran onto the pitch and struck the official Halil Umut Mele after their game at um, Rispor. Kolka's side had conceded the 97th minute equaliser, ensuring Rispor would stay four points clear of their host after the 1-1 draw. Ankara Kuru fans invaded the pitch after the game and Mele was also kicked um, when he fell, though it was unclear um, whose assailants were. Mele eventually made it to the dressing room with the help of the police. Turkish football has been punched um, shamefully tonight. Everyone involved in the incident will pay the price, um, TFF chairman Mehit Buyukakeski said. Um, Turkey's Football Federation and TFF had decided to hold an ext um, extraordinary meeting following the trouble. Um, the incident quickly... Shit. Shit. The incident quickly reached um, as far as Turkey's president, Recep Erdogan, who was quoted in Turkish media condemning the attack. Turkey's serious, you know. Most mm. <laughs> the president of the team come and punch the ref because mm. of the draw. That's what I want to start seeing in in in, in um Prem though. Mm. Who would be the first gaffer to run into the pitch and punch a referee? Ah, uh, who's got it in the um, bias, bias, bias? Your first word should have said Arteta. He's the most I've animated man in them. He's Klopp. the most animated manager. Ooh, Arteta. Then again. Then again. Then again, then again. He doesn't even stand in his box. Ten Hag seems to be very <laughs> <laughs> reserved. Ten Hag ain't, ain't <laughs> punching nobody. He might, he might hit them. Nah, he ain't punching nobody. He's a school shooter type. We were, we were shoot at the stadium before he punches the referee. That's what I'm saying. He might just... just... All right. Don't know what you've done there. <laughs> um, and our last, <laughs> our last headline. Um, double success for Nigeria as um, Victor Oshiman and Asisat Oshola win their awards. So Nigeria's um, Victor Oshiman has been crowned the 2023 African Footballer of the Year at the Confederation of African Football 
awards ceremony in Marrakesh. The Napoli player beat Egypt's Mohamed Salah and Morocco's uh, um, uh, Ashraf Hakimi to the prestigious award. The first time a Nigerian has picked up the title since um, Kanu in 1999. Nigeria enjoyed double success as Oshola retaining the women's the women's award, the sixth time the Barcelona star has won the accolade. The winners are voted for by a panel consisting of CAF's technical committee plus African media professionals, head coaches and captains. Clubs involved in the group stages of the CAF's um, continental competitions also have a say. Napoli's Osterman, 24, was tipped Sorry. was tipped to pick up the prestigious CAF award for the first time in his career after a stellar 2022-2023 season. Um, he scored 26 times in 32 appearances, including the decisive goal that sealed the Scudetto in May and won Napoli their first Serie A title in 33 years. The former Wolfsburg and Lille striker was also named the Italian's Footballers Association Player of the Year earlier this month after an outstanding season. And that is the end of our headlines. Are you going to play tonight or tomorrow? Um, Nobody cares. Everybody's going to be watching Man United Bayern, right? I definitely am. We're playing today. Oh, is it? Yeah. Big team split. Oh, no. Well, the big team's playing Bayern and Man United. Oh, I was going to say big team's playing today, but then I remembered United's never getting up that today. <laughs> They're still playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what time's kickoff? Because I'm going to. I don't want to fuck up. I don't, actually, you know what? I don't know if I actually kick off watch for us this game. is 5.45, though. So you can watch the Arsenal game, then you can watch the heating. I've got things to do, man. I'm going to have to see if I can move some things around. But I don't know if it's worth changing my whole schedule for that game I don't anyway. Never to build result, to be honest. Well, if they don't play their full strength side and we're at home, we could do them. That's not the um, that's not the um, the difficult thing about the game. It's about leading the other results. It's about wanting wanting Copenhagen and Galatasaray to draw. That's the difficult part of the whole. Scenario. Of course, because that's not in our, that's not in our hands. What is in your hands? The game tonight against Bayern. Oh, uh, so you're saying if you lose, then there's still hope. No, we have this to win. Saying. But that's in First our hands. Thing, focus on today, right? Which is in our hands. As in eight o'clock. Which is in our control. Hundred percent. To be honest, it's not in your control. <laughs> You're going to get <laughs> Ben over, Ben over. <laughs> Brent's an idiot. Well, that's the end of our sports headlines. Um, shockingly, we don't have a down ahead today. Sorry, guys. But um, yeah, Matt man. Dallas is still down here, no? Who? They apologized and bought the guy some bedding. How was that? Did they? Elsewhere. Mm. Yeah. They didn't put him up in a, a nice little. Flush fat, no, like, just give him oh, <laughs> a... too little, too late, man. And not even a happy meal. <laughs> just about to say, no food. They, they might have given him food, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. For some time. one of those cards to get free food for mm. life. Yeah, right? yeah, needs a McDonald's right. card. That's what you should do. No, but then he'll never move. <laughs> <laughs> not for all. That's definitely jo- a Trumpian um, statement. I'm joking, people. I'm joking. <laughs> it's, it's all entertainment, man. Let's get into our outro, please. <laughs> Kyle. That was a great show. Thank you for everybody that took part. Yeah, the chat was booming today. Thanks for everybody that liked the video. Thanks for all our callers. Shouts out our hip hop historian. <laughs> uh, um, the voice. The voice. The voice. Mr. Voice. We're going to get him in there. 
before the year's out, apparently. Yes, God willing. God willing, inshallah. Mm-hmm. We'll do that one. But yeah, man, it's been a great day. And we'll be here, same time, same place, bringing you good quality content and broadcasting the news to our people. That's it. That is it. That is us. Peace out, man. Peace. Peace.